Before we get started, I want to talk about sponsors that help make this show possible. I've partnered with swimming companies that can serve our international audience. Destro Swim Towers. Gain strength in the water with a tower of power. Save $150 per double swim tower by using code BRETT, B-R-E-T-T, at checkout. DestroMachines.com. The Magic 5, custom-fitted goggles that are tailor-made for your exact face. You shouldn't feel like you're wearing any goggles. Use code BRETTHAWK20 at checkout to receive 20% off. Superior Swim Timing. Run a swim meet with ease from your laptop. SST is fully compatible with high-tech, Team Unify, as well as Colorado, Dactronics and Amiga touchpads. SuperiorSwimTiming.com. Swim Angelfish. Receive the tools and skills needed to teach swimmers with autism, physical disabilities, anxiety, sensory and motor conditions with Swim Angelfish. Go to SwimAngelfish.com. Are you in need of a pace clock? Looking to finally upgrade those ancient analog clocks? The Swim Nerd Pace Clock is the most innovative digital pace clock. Go to swimpractice.com to check it out. Welcome to Swimming's Best Talk Show. Gonna learn all the things that Brett Hawk knows as he has a chat with his guests about what it takes to be the best. But the sport's about more than just best times. It's winning the battle against your mind. So listen in and let's take a dive with Brett Hawk as we go inside. Mate, Dean Boxel, eh? We're doing How this. How good is this? We're doing this, mate. Look Matt, at this. And you're wearing my shirt. I can't believe it. Unbelievable. Eh? How <laughs> many people have one of those bad boys? Well, <laughs> Well, I don't. The funny thing is, remember Ross Powell's? He was over in Tennessee. He was a very yeah. good third in um, the national championships in Sydney. Yeah. And he's wearing one of the shirts. I can't believe it, mate. Honestly, I can't believe it. It's crazy, isn't it, how big this thing has gotten? I mean, did you – let's just start there in terms of yeah. the, the, the impact that this celebration had. When did it first hit you that this was just out of control? Oh, that's a good question. Um, mate, I, to be honest with you, I, I never felt it because in the Olympics, you were just locked down. Like, I had no idea. I wasn't on social media. Mm. Um, I think it was um, maybe a, Olivia from the American team. She came up to me and she said, uh, Dan, I think there's 60,000 individual TikTok memes about you regarding the celebration. I, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I uh I still don't, you know. We've come back from into quarantine. Uh, you know, I'm just now back home. Uh, the Olympics have passed. The Paralympics is on. So I, I don't, I don't really know, mate. I see people wearing shirts. I, I have mates sending me messages, but mate, yeah, I've no idea. Yeah, look, look, you've had about five weeks to kind of just come down from this thing, and you've really needed that too, and that, and that's a good thing. And and I've have. We've given you space. I'm sure there's been a, a bunch of people trying to get at you, but you certainly need that downtime after an experience like that, don't you? Yeah, well, that was interesting because when the competition finished, we had about 24 hours and we're on a charter flight back to Darwin, which is a place we're in quarantine called Howard Springs. 
I think you did like Simon, you did Rowan, you did Bowley there. Mm. And um, I thought that that would be a place to basically just regenerate and recover. Um, but you're in a holding pattern. I think I needed to be with my family. I needed to go and have a steak with a mate, go and have some beers mm. um, and just basically get in the community where we weren't. So I never really recovered. I couldn't sleep, actually. I was struggling to sleep at night. I think most coaches were, some of the athletes. I was even taking some sleeping tablets. I think the doc gave me some some sleeping tablets just to get me to sleep. And I couldn't, mate. I couldn't. I, I couldn't sleep. That's wild, mate. Yeah, that's it's 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 crazy experience. It's hard for you know people on the outside to understand the emotion that you go through in an, in an event like that. And to have you, I mean, you had multiple athletes at the Olympics, so you're riding. I mean, you have to be on the whole time. So it's yeah. there's no there's no off switch, but. Um, well, we'll get to all that. I want to. I want to really dig into the Olympics, but mate, um, I want to talk about you. I want to. I want people to really get to know you. I, I've known you for a long time. We actually used to compete against each other. We did. I think uh, you smashed me always on the fifty into the hundred, but I got you on the two. Um, <laughs> but I couldn't go to four. Uh, but you know, you were you were an absolute dogged competitor, mate. Crazy belief and courage. Loved it in the 50 and the 100, mate. When you saw Hawkey walk out for the 50, it was like, mate, no one could come near you. You just had this belief. It's well, like what I saw with, with Bruno. Like, here's the same. I was watching him in, at the Olympics and at Guangzhou. He, mm. Mooney and I saw him in the gym in Guangzhou, and, and he was the nicest bloke. He was mm. doing his job. He was um, friendly, you know, articulate. He just wanted to be involved and have a good chat, friendly chat. But it came to the pool, mate. He was ruthless. I don't think he could make proper eye contact with me. It was like the Terminator. Mm. He's a competitor. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and I think I think that's the thing is I think that, I think that's why you and I have been successful because we've we've been through the gauntlet. And what we've done is been able to translate what we've experienced into our athletes and that's what i want to share with people today like your your experience as as an athlete how is that translated into your coaching uh and, and that's kind of my first question to you is like what did you learn as an athlete what, what are your experiences as an athlete that you have now been able to kind of translate into your coaching well, Brad, I mean, I'm probably going to be a bit harsh on myself. I'm a failed athlete. Like, I, I didn't succeed as an athlete. I, I stopped the sport at 18, and every job I had bar one is linked to swimming. But I, I fail as an athlete, and I'm happy to stand there and tell people that. Like, I'm not going to shy away from that. Um, but one thing that I have a regret or, like, I wish that I sort of knew and I know now is that I had great coaches. I had Scott Volkers, Michael Boll as coaches, and they're fantastic, right? And I always worked hard. always wanted to please them. Um, I love the sport of swimming. I love training hard. I love being in the unit. I love being on the same page or the same boat as a group that is striving towards nationals or trying to make an Australian team. I just love that. My best mates are still in swimming. But the one thing that I, I never, I wasn't a smart swimmer. Like I just got in and worked, but I never thought about the process. So when the competition came, then you'll get given this, this task or how to swim the 200 or how to swim the 100. And I should have been thinking about that in every single lap when I was training. 
And that's the regret of me as the athlete. I should have been doing that. And I ask that and I bestow that upon my athletes that they've got to be thinking, like, you're not just coming to the pool and going up and down. That's not, that's not what we're doing. Every lap, there's a purpose. There's an objective. Get hold of it and learn it. How'd you and know that, though? How, how, how was it? What was the, the time from the athlete to the coach where you've had this time to assess your career, where you've had time to um, figure these things out of like, Dean, this is not, this is where you went wrong. And this is where, this is the expectation I'm going to have from my athletes. What was that transfer period for you? Well, you know, I left when I was 18 and I left on the bottom, mate. I left like feeling, I don't want to be harsh here, but it is, I felt like a loser. So I had to deal with a lot of things. My self-esteem was hit a bit. So I left on the bottom, but Michael Bowl and Scott Volkers, but in particular Bowley, he always believed in me and he always said to me, Dan, I think that you would be a fantastic coach. And so he organised for me to start the process of becoming a coach with a gentleman who was a silver medalist at the Olympics was Glenn Hausman. Um, he basically knew a friend there at the Sunshine Coast in, in Australia and they were developing a 25-metre pool and um, they wanted a coach or head coach for the program because it's just young as about juniors. And so um, that's how I started. It was in October the 13th, actually, Monday, 1997. And uh, I started, uh, but I did babies. I did learners swim to all levels. Then I got at the water, did junior. Then I went into senior school, because senior school was high school. And then I did triathlon or the adults. I did everything. But I just dug my teeth into just swimming. It was, it was fantastic. Now, I was, wasn't thinking at that stage about how to better the process and my regrets and what to do. I was just getting back in love with the sport again. And it was only until later that I, I learned more about the process. How old were you at this stage when you first started out doing this? 19. Wow, 19. That's yeah, 19. Vladimir Fordor, who was representing Czechoslovakia and Slovakia at the stage, um, to do with uh, water polo. He created the pool with a guy called Alan Humphreys, who was an Australian representative. He's in his 70s now. And, he, you know, the politics behind in 1956, he should have made for the Olympics. He got second, but they took first and third. Like, he's a legend. He's just a beautiful, beautiful guy. And the funny story about that, Brett, is that Alan Humphreys gave me my first job in coaching and he gave Michael Bowl his first job in coaching. Mm. There's a linkage, yeah. Wow, that's wild. Um, when I talk to Bowley about you, Bowley says something very strange, something I've never heard before. He calls you a unicorn, which um, you know we all we all know is um, well, something something that's very unique, very unusual. Like it, it it just doesn't exist. So. What, what does that mean to you when he calls you a unicorn in terms of your coaching? Oh, wow. I, I've never heard that from Bolly. Like, he's been very complimentary towards me. I think what people got to realise that, um, you know, I was coached by Michael. Um, but I met Michael when I was 11 years old. Um, he was the Queensland Swimming Director. It was a duo with him and Scott Volkers. And I was actually coached by Scott Volkers at the time. And Bolly somehow him and I developed this relationship while I was 11 and he believed in me and I just loved being around bowling. Everybody loves being around bowling. And then um, he used to choose me 
and I wasn't in his squad to go away around Queensland to do these clinics about stroke correction and just talking to some of the swimmers from the age of 14. He kept grabbing me and we developed this relationship to the point of that when, he, when I was 15 and he was getting married, um, I went to the church. I was mm. the only person to go from Scott's squad to go and sit there and I was the youngest there, just sit there and watch Michael go down the aisle with Kate. Mm. And um, every time that he went away overseas for trips, I would look after his home and his dog, Emma. And um, we just formed this magnificent relationship. Like he is more than a friend to me. He's like been a father figure. He's been a brother. He's been a mentor. He's been a coach. He's been a friend, um, not a lover, not a lover, <laughs> but we've just been really, really close. And um, for him to say that, like, man, the guy's Yoda. The guy has won every medal in swimming, Paralympic gold medalist, short course gold medalist, long course gold medalist, Olympic gold medalist, open water 25 kilometres, double gold. Like, he's done everything. He's, he's unique. He's, he's the greatest. Like, I... Um, it was an honour just to be with him at the Olympics. You got to remember, I was coached by him, and I've been coaching alongside him 2000 to 2003, and then back from 2012 until 2017. And it was a dream, eh, to go to the Olympics with a guy that I consider a brother, to go hand in hand in battle into war with him. And Emma swam unbelievable. Emily swam unbelievable. And then our group, you know, like Sinanani and Molly and Meg, you know, Michi. Elijah and Abby get up on the world stage and perform at will together. And someone, someone, someone said this to me, and I don't want to. I'm trying. I don't want to big note or be arrogant, but someone said, um, "If bowling Vauxhall joined the country, we would have come 11th." So that was wow. unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. But he also says something else about you. He says that if he was going to go to war with with anybody, you'd be his first pick. Like he he wow. says he says to me that you would you would die for the cause like if if it was if it was his back against the wall he knows that he can rely on you to go yeah. in and take a bullet for him like that kind mm -hmm. of thing I mean, and that's that that kind of relationship um is really important when you when you're going to compete at the the biggest international meets right my my well, yeah like People don't understand. Like we do talk about military, we talk about war, but man, those guys are defending our country. It's the mm. greatest honor. Mm. Like, look what's happened in Afghanistan and all this. But we've, we've, war. What our military has gone. That's the honor putting the badge on. You're representing Australia to defend your country or defend a purpose or direction. We're going into war for our country to deal with competition as well. And I treat that as the same. I, I'm not in the military, and I absolutely honour these guys. And I think Bolly does the same. We talk about that, defending each other and, and making sure we're on the front line and you've got each other's backs. And that's what probably was the most uh, pleasing thing about this Australian Olympic team is that we had each other's backs. Awesome has had each other's backs. All coaches had each other's backs. And that was directed from Jacko into Rowan, which they did a fantastic job. But it is, it's it it is like a war. I mean, it's not blood and guts, but it's you're there to try and get a medal for your country so the people back home are, 
are cheering and feeling good about themselves and I'm Australian and 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 we are the greatest with this little nation of 25 million people and look what we're doing on the world stage you go you good thing you go you beauty I mean that's what we're doing it for look now we're in lockdown Brett like Australia's getting hammered we're in lockdown there's people there that are losing jobs there's people there that are that have lost lives there's people there that are that that are getting divorced they're going through incredibly hard times mm. and we 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 think about that you know i'm so proud to be australian and i'm and i'm technically my blood south african but i'm australian yeah, bolly told me that bolly bolly told me that you were born in south africa when did yes. you actually leave south africa yeah i well well the story goes that my my father said we got to leave and i was six months old so it was a nine on uh, 1977 we got on this boat it took us a couple, couple of months to get there to sydney he knew nobody he was there to try and find a job uh, my brother was three years old at the time. Um, about four weeks in, mum's gone, I miss home, I miss my family, I've got no friends here, we don't have a job, we can't stay here. Put the pressure on dad. Dad crumbled, got on a flight back to South Africa, Cape Town, and for the next seven years we lived in, in, in Cape Town, South Africa. About seven years into it, dad said to mum, look, there's no future here, and I love South Africa, but there's troubles and... Uh, our boys need future. Um, I'm going to go and set it up. If you don't follow, they will follow when they're 18. They will leave. And so mum said to Craig, we'll go. And we got on a flight again and off we went to, to Australia. And we haven't looked back. Hang on, so your mum and dad are South African? Yeah. So is my older brother. And we've had two, I've got two siblings that are true blue Aussies. They got the accent? Your mum and dad have the South African accent? Yeah, they've still got it. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, dear, you got to get moving, get your ass off the grass, all that sort of stuff. Exactly. So who, 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 do you, who do you root for, mate, You're South, in rugby, South Africa or Australia? Oh, that's a good question. Look, look, I've got some friends that have played for the Wallabies and um, I'm a true blue now Aussie, but let me tell you, I want to see South Africa do well because they are going through. Mate, mate, when they won the World Cup, they mm. going through tough times, mate. Tough times and they unite. They are tough. They're one of the most toughest race or nations on earth, mate. I'm telling you, if you meet a South African, they're dogged. It's very similar to the Australian psyche. And that's one thing I do like about them. They do call us South Africans arrogant, um, maybe because I think that they really are stoic in what they need to do. But, but the one thing about Australia and South Africa, I reckon they're similar traits. We're just a little more um, juvenile, the Australians. We're a little bit more um, in your face, laughter, larrikin. Do you have Do you have memories of South Africa at all? Well, oh, absolutely, mate. Yeah, really, yeah, absolutely. Fond memories. I went back in 1999 by myself in 2000 to go and see my family, just to go get back in there and see South Africa. Um, phenomenal memories, still, mate. They're, what a, it's a beautiful nation. Um, they, yeah, like they they produce great athletes. And they produce great business people and leaders of this world as well. Like you got to remember, the first heart, heart transplant was from South Africa. Mm. Diamonds and and um, I think Elon Musk is from South Africa. Um, you know, there's some great people that come from there, but they're doing it tough. They got it tough. It's tough, mate. Mm. It's tough, really, compared to Australia. They're doing it tough. Yeah. 
I love the fact that you said you got on a boat, your family got on a boat. I, I, um, mm. I grew up in La Perouse, and a lot of people don't know where La Perouse is, but La Perouse is actually where Captain Cook sailed in to Sydney Harbour for the first time and where they discovered Australia. I grew up there, like in La Perouse. Oh, I love that. Right, right on the corner of where – and I used, to, I used to go out there, mate, and I used to sit on, 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 the, on the coast – you know, like two minutes from my house, I used to sit there and I used to envision, um, you know, I, I used to envision coming across. the boats coming in for the first time and discovering Australia. And I used to think to myself, like, imagine what these people from England, they've, they've, they've been sailing for months now and then all of a sudden they discover this land. And I used to just sit on the coast there and just imagine the boats coming in and thinking, like, what a great uh, new world they've just discovered. And, and here I am as a young kid just sitting there, you know, as, as you know, removed from generations of those people that have sailed in, but just imagining them sailing in and thinking to myself, I'm part of this new discovery. Mm. You know? and, that, and that's kind of how you were, you know, like well, sailing it's, in. It's exactly the same, Brett. Like what people got to realise, and I hope for the, the audience out there, like Australia is like a brand new country, like mm. 1770, Captain Cook came in. Mm. 1788 is basically when we started Australia. Mm. I mean, it's only 200 and let's call it 230, 230 years, right? 230 mm. years. Yep. That's it. That's it. Like I'm married to a Slovak beautiful lady named Andrea and their country has just centuries, thousands of years Mm. of heritage and stories and here's australia mm. that's why the aboriginals are so important you know it's so important they've been around for thousands of years and they've got all the heritage of australia it's, it's a remarkable country and i hope that everybody does come and visit us and 2032 is going to be a magnificent boom for us people are going to get back and see australia for what it is yeah listen mate i was part of the sydney 2000 team i was very lucky and um I put in years of work to try and to try and get to that point, and I was just a player. You know, I was there with with Ian Thorpe and Grant Hackett, and um, you know Michael Clem and and Susie O'Neill. You train with Susie O'Neill, but um, yeah. you know, like I, I was part of that. But now, now twenty thirty two to have the Olympics coming back to to Brisbane, which is not far from where you are right now. Um, it's a real big deal for Australia, mate. They love. They love sport and they love to compete, don't they? No, they do. They do indeed. But I've got a funny story about Susie for you. I mean, mm. I don't know if I should get into it for the audience, but they yeah. all know Susie, Olympic champion, 1996, 2000. I swam with her and I had a couple of beers with her and I told her the story that she, she forgot. Mm. We're training with Scotty and there was a bulkhead, 25-metre pool, and it's a bulkhead and you can go underneath the bulkhead. And Scott and Bowley were training next to each other, 40 people in Scott squad, 40 people in bowlies in a nine-lane, 50-metre pool. There's just packed. Anyway, in the warm-up, we all snuck under the bulkhead one at a time. And Susie was at the, up there, Lisa Mackey, Samantha Riley, you know, David Carter across there, Jeff English, these guys were across there, Glenn Hausman. Anyway, I was going through their legs and I went all the way to lane one and then there was this poo in the pool, in the bulkhead, <laughs> And I, uh, I popped my head up. I said, guys, get out. There's a poo. There's a poo. And I got out and I got out of the pool and I ran down to the, um, the entry because my mates were leasing the pool. And I said, guys, 
there's a poo in the bulkhead. And um, basically, I then went back in. I trained. I was going out there. He walked down to the pool and he got Scott and, and, and Michael out and said, guys, someone's defecated in the pool in the bulkhead. And so Scott lost it, got everybody out, and, and Bowley got everybody out and, and said, um, right, who's been in the bulkhead? And I told, so I put my hand up with a guy called Justin Griffiths, put my hand up. There would have been 40 people in and out of that bulkhead. Susie was one of them. Sam was one of them. No one put their hand up. <laughs> and Scott kicked me out. Kicked me out. I had to go back up and see Greg Lawler and say, Greg, please, like, Mr. Lawler, I didn't do it. I, I didn't do it. He came down and he reinstated me into the squad. So they thought you were the mystery poor. Yeah, and I wasn't. I was the one talent because I was being honest. I told Susie that. I Susie didn't Susie. own up to it? Oh, she, she, yeah, she goes, oh, well, I was a little bit timid at that stage. <laughs> Sorry, I just threw a curveball at you. I love it, mate. I love it. Uh, I want stories. That's what we're here for. So, um, well, listen, mate, like, everybody knows that uh, you're the coach of Ariane Titmus and – Mate, what a fantastic run that you guys have had. I mean, mm. tell me about the genesis of this plan to become Olympic champion. When did it actually begin? Well, a great question. Um, Arnie came to me when she was 15 years old. Uh, it was 2016. It was after Olympic trials. Um Probably it's probably a long story, so I'm sorry for the viewers. But in 2016, Arnie was coached by a magnificent coach called Peter Gartrell. Um, the guy's a genius with developing the aerobic capacity, the aerobic system. Unbelievable. He was studying medicine, so he know he knew a lot about the cardiovascular system. He knew a lot, and he developed that with Arnie. Um, anyway, they left Tasmania to go to Queensland and. Um, um, 2016, she just finished trials and she went 4.12 in the heat, 4.16 in the final. Mm. And Arnie always used to look across the St. Peter's because at that stage were the national champions for age group um, championships. Um, Bowley had put a lot of kids on to the, to the senior team. I had about probably seven kids on the junior team as well. And she always looked across and thought, I'd really like to be that in, environment because it's really competitive. Anyway, I was getting on the, the plane to go to uh, back home from Adelaide to Brisbane and Peter was there sitting on this couch and I'll never forget what the couch looked like. It was red leather. And I saw Pete and I decided to go and talk to him. I could have easily just ran to the gate and I sat down with Pete and I said, hey, Pete, and he basically said to me that he's leaving, he can't, he's got no more money, they're not giving enough funds. Um, would you like to coach Arnie? Mm. And I went, oh, Mate, I would love to because I do believe she's similar to me. And so on that couch, he then calls Robin, her mother, and that's how it started. Then she joins the program. Um, and there's no way, Brett, there's no way that you think this girl is going to win. At that stage, Katie is 356, Arnie's 412. Well, hang on a second. Did, did you see something that made you walk over to him and, and, and talk to him? There must have been something you saw. Oh, look, Pete was the head coach of St. Peter's while I'm at currently, and it was, he worked with Bowling, and Bowling was also head coach. So there's all this. Where are you at that stage? Big pardon? Are you an assistant oh, at that stage? 
Yeah, I was, I was the head of the age group program there at St. Right. Peter's. Right. So, we, and I've always known Pete. He's, he's a great guy. Jeez, he's, he's got some good stories and he's, mm. he's a laughable character and he's really good at his job. And so I, um, look, I was, with, I was with Arnie in 2015 on a camp, Youth Commonwealth Games. Mm. She was with Peter and I had a take of a couple of sessions and this girl was dogged. She was giving it to the boys. So you spotted she, it then? You like yeah, early on yeah. you spotted it. She she had flaws, mate. She had no speed and technically she had some issues. She had no strength. Right. But she was dogged, Brett. Right. She wouldn't give in, mate. Mm. You would throw her anything and she would respond and you go, go again. She'd go again. Mm. She would just want to work. Right. Want to work. And that was her attribute, right? That and was that's an intangible, weapon. right? That's an intangible that most mate, absolutely. Absolutely. Like I had boys dropping off and here's this girl going, just looking at me, yep, ready, go, yep, yep, ready, dogged, mm. right? Mm. Um, but she she had flaws. There's no way you're looking at that there going, oh, yeah, the Olympic champion. If anybody thought that, then I think they're lying, right? They're fabricating mm. the truth. Mm. Um, but she was at that stage 16 seconds off Katie in the 200 freestyle. She was 201, Katie was 153. Mm. I mean, that's eight seconds. But the big one was the 800. Arnie, Arnie at that stage was 20, no, sorry, 38 seconds off Katie. Mm. Like, you, you, you're, not, you're not selling the story there. You're not selling the dream. You're not, you're not trying to sell ice to Eskimos there. That's just fake. So what you're trying to do there is start the mindset, craft a planet, orchestrate it, become the architect of her mindset and making sure that you remember she had a very good mindset anyway, but you had to be ruthless on her pursuing that 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 pathway and then just gaining little wins. Maybe we only started to really realise by 219, you start to think, uh, maybe by 218, but you're still far off. You're four seconds. You're moving into around about three by hand packs um you, 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 you're not yet going arnie you can do this 219 changes the game changes the game hang on a second hang let's get back a second you're talking about taking over a girl and you're talking about mindset creation so hmm. you, you you recognize something in her that says this this woman will fight and i like that right. but we've got some flaws so yeah. So you're going home and you're thinking to yourself while she's off doing whatever she's doing. You're at home thinking to yourself, all right, how do I start this process? Yes. What are you thinking? All right. Well, okay. So when I had that chat with Peter, he gave me three things that he said that Arnie needs to make sure she's maintaining or she ever wants to be the best. Three things that never, ever have left me. And I communicate with her that every week. And if I don't mention that every week, I mention the next week twice. I mentioned that, I missed that, then I mentioned it three times. I'm on to her about this. The three things were she's got no speed, right. had no speed. The girl was 58 seconds for 100 freestyle, and that stage she was 28 2 mm. for 53. The second one was body composition. She just makes sure that she needed to be on track and be really professional. The third thing, which was the big one, and I still challenge with it, is social. She's a social butterfly. Arnie is like a um, sometimes a kite in the wind. Um, she's on and she can float off, and I need to bring her back. She's very social. 
she's 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 her father. Her father's a magnificent man, Steve. He's a journalist, he's a newsreader, and they just are social butterflies. But that socialness has cost up. So those are three things, and they're intellect, and they they interlink, sorry, and they 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 basically always flow into each other. And I have to always be on to her about those three things. I can't help her with speed if she's being social because that means she's not in her mindset. I can't help her if she's not looking after what she needs to do nutritionally, recovery process, and just being professional. I can't help her. So she, those are the three things that we needed to make sure we're always working on. And then I can help her with speed. I always thought to myself, and I said that to her, you get to 53 seconds and I don't think no one's going to touch you in the tour of freestyle. And that's not big noting because I knew that the engine that she had, I knew that our pursuit on the back end was coming, but you didn't have speed. You get to 53, it becomes more comfortable going out in 55. You don't get to 53, 55 becomes harder. Becomes harder. Emma's going out in 55, Shabon's going out in 55, the deck is going out in 55. You know, you, you need to make sure that you're getting your speed up. Your back end will be there. Um, you know, so we're on that pursuit and we're just constantly on to her about that. Now, regarding the mindset, I just said to her, like, she's this sort of girl in the beginning. She's like that now. But if I said to her, Arnie, you're arriving at 4.45, there's a beautiful gum tree that's just outside our pool. What I want you to do is to do the dosey dough around the gum tree, grab some bark, eat it, and then walk into the pool because I think that's going to help you. She would have done it. She would have done it. Whatever she needed to do, what it was necessary for her to be great. You picked up on that early, then. You like you you knew yeah. that this girl was going to do what you told her to do, and that and that's important thing. And that, and that's not a. Um, that's not a control thing. No, it's not, but it's a great responsibility. It's mm. like that the, the saying about Spider-Man with great power becomes great responsibility. Like mm. she gave that to me. Mm. She gave that to me. She basically said to me, Dean, I'll do whatever you want. She said that. Yeah, yeah. I'll do whatever you want. But I'm backing you that you all have enough nows and ability to provide me with the best program. Mm. I'll execute it. And that is where people probably uh, um, lost with me a little bit how hard I am. Because, mm -hmm. all right, you said that to me. I've got to go home. Or I've got to go home and I've got to dream. I'm taking away from my family time here. I'm dreaming for you. Mm. I'm dreaming. And for all of my athletes, not just Arnie, I'm mm. dreaming for you. I wake up at night and pace the room. I go to, I, I, I'm at home and my wife can't talk to me. She goes, Dean, you're not here. You're not present. I, I'm just lost. I'm like, oh, I've, got to, I've got to get this. I've got to get this. I've got to get this. And, and, and I'm there thinking, no, that set's not good enough. No, that mindset is not where it needs to be. No, Mitch is not turning properly. No, Elijah's head position is not right. No, Meg is spinning her arms. Arnie is not where she needs to be. She's giving me the three things I need to work on, and she's not there. And I'm just pacing. I'm just trying to make sure... So that intense direction was from me. And I said, well, you're not, not executing. You've come up to me and you've asked me. You've asked me. You've employed me. You've bestowed on me this great responsibility. But you're not doing your job. And that's when the only time that I would go really hard. 
I was gonna I, I was gonna say that because um people see the celebration, you know, and they're critical mm. of the celebration. And whether whether it be in Australia, you know, you, you have the the people that understand it and the people that don't get it. But a lot of Americans were were against the celebration. But what they don't understand is that right there. What they don't understand yeah. is the time and energy you've put into the, the 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 negotiation, the contract that you've both come yeah. up with and said, "Hey, I'm yeah. going to hold you to this, and you're going to hold me to this." Is a contract. You're right, Brett. It's a contract. I've never thought of that. Like it is. We made a verbal contract. I never wrote it down. Mm. And for all the Americans out there that you, you did think that I went over the top, I, I'm, I know we're jumping all over the place, Brett, and I'm, I'm sorry for this, but I'm probably going to have to explain myself here a little bit mm. and hope people get this celebration for what it is. Tokyo Aquatic Centre is one of the best aquatic centres I've ever seen. It holds about 15,000, 16,000 people. It's a two-tier structure. It's fantastic, Ron. Mm. We could not fill that. We weren't allowed because of COVID. There's two tier, meaning the bottom tier was where on the left-hand side was for uh, the competitors, the nations, the athletes to go and watch, and the coaches. And on the other side was where the dignitaries were, right? Media was down below. And in between the two structures or the tiers is this gap. And that gap would be like at any stadium where you have the flow of people to get to the toilet or get to the stairs. Right. Right. So I, I, out of respect to my fellow coaches, I know what I'm like. I need to be away from them. I don't want to sit there with the Australian team and be like this caged animal running around. And I do not want to disrespect Greg, Katie, or any coach. So I go to that section I searched the venue where I could go so I could not be in front of people or look poor. Mm. And I found that that little area, right? And I just got into that because I knew how much work went into it. I, the dream, the, the, the passion, the purpose, the direction that was needed for that moment was there. Like I knew that this was one of the biggest races. I knew that NBC flew out. They flew out in 2019, six production staff, to come to St. Peter's and follow the Arnie for three days. They built this race to be the race of the century. I knew that. I took that as the fight. I wanted the good fight. And uh, I, I, I took this. I wanted it. So we wanted it. And uh, I tucked myself away. I did not think any camera would be on me because I'm away. Mm. I'm away. And what they don't realise is that after that moment, I asked the Australian Swimming Management and the AOC, can you find me a room across where the dignitaries are for the 200 freestyle? So I'm away. There'll be no cameras on me. And I'm taken away. I don't want to take away from Arnie. I don't want to take away from any athletes. I don't want to take away from any coach. I don't want to be disrespectful. But this is me. And, and they said, Dean, we can't put you there. There's rules. Mm. So I sat there with the Australian team and sat down and watched the 200 and I couldn't watch the race. I just watched the splits and my boy, Elijah Winnington stood up with the team and he was basically commentating the race going, okay, she's moving through. She's looking all right. She's a little bit behind. Siobhan's making a move. 55-1, Arnie says, look at this. How's she looking, mate? I just couldn't be myself. 
it's a bad moment. This is the Olympics. I couldn't be myself. There's no disrespect to anybody. And yeah. to be quite honest with you, it's a disrespect to Arnie. It's a disrespect for Arnie because it's a contract and we basically signed up for this. And I, I'm worse on the pool deck at St. Peter's. Right, right. I, I, I agree, mate. And I'm glad you explained that. What about the what about the Asian lady? What about the what about the uh, the Japanese lady that was there? I mean, a lot of people have comments about the the Japanese lady who was like, "Listen, <laughs> what was she doing?" Um, I don't know. I didn't see her. I lost her in that moment. Um, I didn't see her until basically I had to go and do an interview, and they basically asked me, "I need to find her." And they've got a gift to give to her, and she was interviewed on Channel Seven, which is our number one was a broadcaster for um, the Olympics. And they interviewed her, um, which was a beautiful interview. But I'll try to find her to go and give her a gift. Um, you know, they're the most beautiful people, Brett. I right. They're the most beautiful people. They're just so polite. They're um, so compliant. They just want you to enjoy their country and their culture. And right. uh, I just hope that I, I didn't disrespect her position. I didn't see her. I didn't see it. <laughs> what about this? What 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 about this moment where you grab the railings? Is this uh, th this is, is something that you grew up with, right? Is this uh, a wrestling move? Yeah, well, I I can't remember actually doing it. I can't. Um, so my favorite wrestler was the Ultimate Warrior. He passed away. He was fifty four. He was just the best, mate. I love his energy and his intensity. Um, one of his first matches was against the Honky Tonk Man in Iran and it just obliterated him. But he used to shake, he used to shake the uh, the, the ring mm. and um, lift up and do all this. And when I was at school, that was my nickname because I used to do that. I just used to love his persona. And I think it just came out right there. I went to grab the railing and shake it, but <laughs> it was made of steel. And, and I shook and then I moved and it looked like my hips we're moving forward. <laughs> and my son, who's four, and I, I, I hopefully it's not being rude for anybody here, but he comes out of the shower naked and he's shaking himself, going, Daddy, I'm doing a you. And I go, No, Dane, you're not. That's not what I did. I've got to train him not, not to do that. That's terrible. Oh, classic kids, he's mate. Four. <laughs> He just wants to be like his dad. That's fair enough, isn't it? Yeah. Um, well, listen, that, that's the celebration part. Let, let's go back to where where it began then. So from what I understand, when was the first moment you kind of came up against this 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 juggernaut of Katie Ledecky? When, when was the kind of the first period of time where you, you competed against her? Give us some stories here. Oh. 2017 was was the first time. Uh, Katie was 358 at that meet, and Arnie was 404. She did Where's a 404, uh, 4042 and a 4042 in the final hit and fight, exactly the same time. So swam differently, um, but there wasn't a race there at all. Uh, uh, what meet is this? Uh, Budapest, 2017. Okay, well, uh, it, it wasn't. It wasn't a race, mate. It was a. It was a. Um, Oh, sorry, 4042, and it was domination, but Arnie could never feel what the race was. So 2018 Pampax was to feel the pressure and the absolute offensive juggernaut 
the 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 bow constrictor like people got to realize and most if swimmers are on the, the the podcast listening when you're going against someone superior it's a bit like mm. a boxing fight or a tennis match and you're just getting belted and you've got to stay in the game and arnie had to feel that relentless pressure what katie does she just wraps herself around her opponent and squeezes the living daylights out of you and arnie had to feel that and when she squeezed the living daylight she had to basically get her hand out through the body and grab her throat and go i'm not giving up you're gonna have to bite me here i'm not giving up and then not give up not give up not give up not give up and if she passed out she passed out and she felt that in 218 that was a good race she had a feel when katie made the move on her she had a feel what it was like to turn against katie she had to feel like what it was like to feel Katie move at the 200 meter mark. She had to know that. And it was 218 Panpacks. Panpack, where is this at exactly? Tokyo. Tokyo, wow. So is this yeah. not the same pool though, is it? No, it's a pool next door actually. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and so, was, so, this um, was, so you knew she wasn't ready, but you knew she had to feel what it was like to compete against Katie Ledecky. She had to feel it. She, she. There's no. I never thought that she'd be Katie. There's no, 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 no way. I just wanted to feel. Right. I wanted to feel the pressure. What it felt like, you know. These are reflecting points, Brett. These are things that where you learn. This is understanding. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, Katie. Katie was great. Um, and she did what Katie does. And um, but there was a story there that that um, Katie probably won't know. But Greg wasn't there, but. And I'm, I'm not, Katie's the most unbelievable athlete. She's the GOAT. She's the GOAT. And uh, I'll defend her on that. Like, she's absolutely the GOAT. What she's done for 200 freestyle, 400 freestyle, 800 freestyle, now 1500 freestyle. What she's done for swimming, in particular for women, um, she's changed the game. You don't get many athletes like that. She's changed the game. Um, and Greg and Bruce and Yuri have done this most magnificent job. Mm. Um, but in 2008, she had no idea who I was. No one knew who I was. I didn't even know like that this was going to come into fruition in two years' time, but I was on the pursuit. And so in 2018, I basically just followed Katie. When she got on the bus, I got on the bus, I sat behind her. I watched her at the warm-up pool. I watched her get out of the water. I watched her when she swam her, her heat. Um, Greg wasn't there. Greg didn't go to Pampax. And this girl is the most professional athlete. If people can understand how professional Katie is, she got out the water, she went and watched the video analysis by herself and watched, 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 watched. She swam down, she did the recovery process unbelievably well. She was just the best, mate. She was the pinnacle for us. So you're sport. looking for what she does right. Yes. Right. But she doesn't know who I am. Mm. So Arnie, you got to remember, there's only two swimmers have gone under four minutes before, and it was um, it was it was Katie and there's Frederica. So in, in 2018, Arnie goes 359.66, and and Katie went um, uh, 358.5, and Arnie just stayed in the game, and so we were cheering on. It was a massive moment for for swimming Australia and the coaches, and we were all watching, and it was Alex Bowman and it was Jacko, and they turned to me and they gave me this big hug when she when she cracked the four minutes. You know, it was something that we we're pursuing, and then I looked at them. I said, "Guys, let me let me get to Arnie at that ladder," and they said, "Go." So I ran down the pool, 
and waited for Katie and Arnie to come out of the ladder. The ladder. This is an international meet. I'm waiting for Arnie at the ladder to embrace her and go, you've done it. And just to say, we're here. We're here now. We're here. Do you know us? And you felt that was significant for Arnie as well. Like you felt like that was a moment for her. It was a moment that I needed to grab. It was a moment for her to feel all this hard work, right. all this preparation, right. the dream. Like Peter Gartrell said, she could be the one maybe to crack four minutes, but there's a lot of work that needed to do. So to get that off our back and to, and to achieve that for Peter as well, it was a massive moment to crack four minutes. It's a milestone. It's a huge milestone. There's only three people that have done it. Mate, I've said this to her in 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 my podcast that I did with her, um, and this is nothing uh, negative in any way, shape, or form. But there's nothing special about her when I look at her physically. I look at her, and I and I, and I, I don't know if you've, you you heard me say this to her, but there was nothing special about her when when I look at her physically. But she's absolutely special when I saw her at mm. the Olympic games. Mm. I mean, she has an engine for sure. But mm. she has a mindset unlike anybody I've ever seen. But but there's also other things. I mean, obviously, she's improved her technique. Obviously, she's un got a great understanding of race strategy and race plan and control and, and where she is and, and when she has to make a move and all that sort of thing. So so these are the moments you're talking about where you, you start this genesis of this plan of, like, putting it all together, right? Yeah, well, it's a mindset. The mindset's like this. It's very simple. It's like for the everyday folk, if you're going for a 5K run and you know your loop and all of a sudden you decide to cheat through a house or through a path and you know it's going to be 4.95, you're cheating yourself. You're cheating yourself. Arnie, I need you at the pool at 5.15. Do not be late. You're at 5.15. You're the one that's going to be the earliest. You're going to do your exercises. You're talking too much, Arnie. You've been too social. Remove yourself. Now, how much... How much, um, for example, I'll say to her, um, if she's doing like, let's just call it eight 400s, and if she misses a lap and she goes, I say, oh, it's 300 metres, it's 3.32, for example. Repeat. I shouldn't have to tell you to repeat. You've miscounted. Everyday folk, you're doing, you're doing gym. You're going three sets of 10 reps, and you're going one, two, three, four, five. How much is that? Oh, it's 10. No, start again. Start again. Start again. It's all about mindset. So that was the most – I needed her. The, the, the thing I, 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 I spoke about before was I'm only hard on her to do with the mindset. Like if you miss a time, Arnie, don't tell me to repeat you. You repeat it. You want to repeat it because you missed it and you know what you need to achieve. You and repeat she, it. She does that? She, like she, she admits like, hey, I'm, I'm, I wasn't on there. No, she, she's very good, but, yeah, yeah she, she, she does. And that's – you've got to remember, I was in a battle with her for a long time because I was the one – in the beginning stage of the prep, Brett, is me making sure everything's in structure. Mm. When we come into the last six weeks or the eight weeks going into trials, into Olympics, I don't need to. It's on her own volition. She's guiding this puppy. She's guiding this boat. So are the other athletes. And I just basically see if things go wrong. I try and steer it. 
But in the beginning is my hardest part as a coach because I'm on. You're making sure that mindset's on. It's on, it's on, it's on, it's on, it's on. If it's not on with six to eight weeks, well, you're gone, you're shot. Honestly, you're done, you're toast. What are you doing? Mate, there's it's not there's not many people that can take that pressure, that understanding of 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 the final product of where we're going. Where where is this ending? Most people don't see that. Most people just see a coach who's just on me. They don't have that clear understanding of this is where it's going to end up if we do things correctly, right? But that's probably where people get mis like where they have this different perception of of what I am. Like they look at me as because I'm I don't know I'm out there maybe I'm eccentric or whatever, but I don't. I don't do more kilometers. I don't do. I don't do uh, really more efforts. It's about accountability, and accountability is quite important. Accountability is taking responsibility for your purpose, your direction. Accountability is basically being relentless in your pursuit, and then accountability is being also adding resistance to that. So I'll test it. You're telling me that you want to be Olympic champion or national age champion. Well, I'm going to hold you accountable to that. Don't be a talker. I'm going to add resistance to that. I'm going to test it. I'm going to put it under pressure and see if you really want it. But if if Arnie said to me, which is the story here, if Arnie said to me, Dean, I want to go to the Olympics and I would love to make an Olympic final. I'm not like this, Brett. I'm not like this. You can't be like this. But if somebody honestly wants wants the dream, man, you got it. It's the hardest thing to achieve. Like Mount Everest is one of the greatest human feats for humans ever. 4,000 people have done it. Mm. There's 23 people have won an Olympic gold for 400 free, so Arnie's a 23rd. Like this is, and wait for it, you're trying to be Katie. Mm. Like no, there's no cheap gold medals, but Katie has a different value. You know, like... We, we pursued that, and it was an honour. It was an honour to plan and to talk about it and to dream about it. Like, Katie, I, I thank you so much. Like, even if it didn't happen, I just thank you for allowing me to dream, allowing me to go home and have sleepless nights, to go home and to, 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 to think of Greg, to go home and to, uh, to, to try and create something that was going to, Try and be able to, 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 to beat you. It's an honor. It's a privilege. Mate, it's incredible. Um, and I asked Arnie this question. I'm going to ask you the same thing. The things that I've seen, some clips and some, some stuff that's out there, it seemed like there was an obsession. And sometimes when there's an obsession to beat somebody, mm. that, can come, that can become consuming. But, yeah. but but I asked Arnie this question. It didn't seem like the focus was particularly on beating uh, Katie. But, no. But everything I saw, it seemed like that there, there was. So so where no. was the where was the the Katie line and the and the this is this is the best that you can give line. Um, in the beginning, it was about Katie. In the beginning, it was, and it wasn't because. It wasn't because we wanted to beat Katie. It was Katie was the benchmark. Right. It was Michael Jordan. Right. If you want to beat Chicago Bulls, you're going to beat Michael Jordan. Um, Michael Phelps, uh, it was having that mentality. Mm. We were so far behind it. We're 412. Mm. But there's Katie. She's the benchmark. She's the benchmark. So in the beginning, it was, I'm going, well, 
you're telling me you would love and you dream and you'd love to be that and this is the event that you chose he's the girl and i'm telling you you're not on you're not there and then once that takes place and you do get in that battle it's about arnie being the best arnie that she can be right um, and if if things got haywire and things were completely chaotic um, which there were a little bit there at stages then i would probably mention katie I mean, I had NBC come out and they heard me shouting, like saying to me, oh, Katie, Katie, Katie. And I said, guys, I don't do that. But they said, can you just do this for for this interview? And I said, well, okay, but you know, I, mean, I don't do it. I respect this girl. It's not like I'm going, oh, crush Katie, Terminator, rah. It's mm. not that at all. Mate, she's a beautiful soul. Like I had a conversation with Katie on a bus, very short. It's about Starbucks and we're just having a banter. Because Arnie completely respects mm. to the point of like, I'm so happy for Katie. Mm. Well, that 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 brings up an interesting point because you you've talked about Katie being the go. You've talked about Katie being a beautiful soul, but but we beat Katie in 19, right? And yeah. You, you don't do that. Like like I've had I've had people that I've idolized as competitors. And, and I, they've just been impossible to beat. So here we are. Arnie's this young woman. Katie's this goat. But there's something between, like, how do you then beat her at the World Championships in 2019? What's that? Hmm. Yeah, good question. Um, I didn't think we'd get her. Uh, but I needed the fight to be more... I needed, all right, so 2018, you felt the pressure. Mm. You felt the offensive juggernaut of Katie. Now I wanted her to feel, all right, you've got a bit of fight in you. You've got some fight there. Because if you want to have the dream of 2020, um, you're going to have to make a slight move here. You can't feel like you've been stationary or gone backwards. Um, Katie was sick. There's no question about it. You don't come back in 31. Katie doesn't come back in 31, right? Katie came back in 29-1 at, 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 at the Olympics. There's a two and a bit seconds gap. Mm. Um, I understand that. Like, like we just happened to be there and Arnie being Arnie was competitive. She's a beast and she, she was there and she felt the pressure of 2018. Um, but I'm going to tell you a story about 2019. What no one understands is about the mindset um, so we had two standards with Arnie, and it was outstanding or dog poo. And um, seriously, it was outstanding or dog poo. Mm. So if she was really good in training, I said dog poo. I said dog poo, Arnie. It's dog poo. <laughs> I, she needed to understand failure was actually acceptable because it's going to build you. Like it's not, oh, I'm Dean's created the set and it's, I've failed and I'm terrible. No. I will create the hardest possible sessions because you want to win. I'll create that. So we had outstanding and 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 dog poo. Mm. Anyway, um, I really liked the way that she swam at trials in 2019. She was out faster. She set herself up nicely, but she didn't. She just sort of collapsed a little bit. The last 100 rolls reversed. 2019 World Championships. Her last 100 was phenomenal. Um, and so she got out of the water and her splits weren't right where I needed them to be. And I didn't think that it was her greatest race. Uh, I thought trials was better. 
And I didn't want her to think that she had made it because our dream was Tokyo. Mm. And I thought that, hang on a second, I've got a moment here. I've got a real big moment. If she thinks she's made it, we're in trouble. Katie will rip up. Uh, she won't sustain the next year. She'll get too social. She'll get uh, complacent. And I don't need that. So what I did was I saw her, congratulated her, gave her a hug, blah, 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 went to the splits. And then just this, this juggernaut of, of, of media and, and praise came towards Arnie. And she had to go and do this press conference. And I had a couple other swimmers to go and swim and warm up and blah, blah, blah. And I came back around and they all finished. I said, where's Arnie? And they go, she's at the press conference. I said, where is it? And they said, all right, I'll take you to the back of the pool, through there, through this corridor. I've gone through and I said, get me to the back. And I've walked in at the back and there's cameras and Arnie's sitting there by herself being interviewed. And I came in right behind the back of the camera and Arnie saw me and she just glowed. I looked at, looked at me and I just uttered, dog shit, dog shit, <laughs> dog shit. And she looked at me and she just nodded to him. Like, I understand what you're doing. I understand it. And that was a moment. How though? Like, um, listen, mate, there are many, I mean, almost everybody that I can think of would say to themselves at that stage, my he's too much. Like, it's too much. Like, I can't. No, it's, it's not too much. It's not too much. Not when, not when you have this relationship with someone that you, you basically, as you said, like a contract, she said, so I ain't being an asshole. I'm not being a bastard. I'm not... I'm not trying to outdo another coach or I'm, I'm trying to get the best from the person that I know that their character to be. I can't do that with a Mitch. I can't do that yet with an Elijah. I can't do that yet with a Molly. You've got to understand who they are. Like Right. So it's individualized. You knew that she could. Yeah, that. yeah absolutely. Like right, right. Arnie and I will have this bond forever because you know, like I'm on a break now and I haven't heard anything from my athletes except Arnie every day. She FaceTimes me. She calls me. She texts me. She wants to talk. She basically says to people, and I've heard on interviews, she says, I'm so happy I don't have Coach Dean at the moment and I've got my friend Dean. And that's an honour, mate, because the Coach Dean is holding her accountable to her dream. Me, the friend, is I don't talk about swimming now. We're laughing and giggling and what she's doing and and and, and what photo shoot she's doing and what stories are happening with the family and that's the relationship. And I want this relationship with all my athletes, but they don't want to give me some of them. They don't want to give me that much, and I understand it. And it's hard, right. but I want that. I'm I'm a I'm a people's person. I want to get involved in Mitch's life. I want to get a, a, involved in a Brett Hawke's life. Mm. I want to, to, to know everyone. I want to be your friend, but I understand the difference. I understand it. I'm not the one going, I can't be the friend. I have to be the coach. I know exactly what, what is needed, but let me in. Let me in. And you're right. Listen, it's, it's, I've coached many people over many years, and it's a special person 
the, the you're talking about Arnie. I mean, that's a special person, you know, not not just in the athletic sense, but in in the in the mentality. You you can't treat everybody like that. There's no, no way. Martin, there's no way. And lots of people don't understand. They look at it and they go, "Oh, Dean's just so hard." It's not hard. It's my relationship with Arnie, and I've never once gone over the line, never once. And that is because I'm professional in my pursuit, and that's the deal that we had. I sat with her and we spoke about it. We spoke about it. If she said to me, Dean, as I said to you before, I'd love to go to the Olympics. I would love to make an Olympic final. Okay, radio. I don't have to push that hard. But you want to go and you want to go and fight the giant? You want to pick up the sword? A guy against Goliath? Well, don't you bloody push me. Don't you tell me I've got to go and fight it. You be ready. You be bloody ready. That's a difference, difference isn't it? That's yeah. the difference. And and, I, and I've got athletes like that. I've got athletes that are happy to be at the Olympics. Yeah. I, I have athletes. But the, there's a difference between the Ariane Titmus and the Bruno Fratis's and then, and then everybody else. There, there's yeah. differences. They yeah. have a different standard, mate. That's exactly right. Like, I knew that Katie had better turns than Arnie. I've got all the data. Honey, what are you going to do about it? Tell me what you're going to do about it because this is terrible. This is terrible. You're getting smashed. What are you going to do about it, Arnie? Tell me what you're going to do about it. Oh, Dan, I'm going to do this. Oh, really? Are you? Okay. Well, why aren't you doing your turns at the end of session? Oh, well, why aren't you? Tell me why aren't you? Tell me why aren't you? You're telling me you want this. You want right, this. Right. Or is it just me? Is this just me? Right. No. So when Arnie takes it on her volition and I see her doing the extra turns, I go across to her and then I'm there with her. And I'm not talking to her like, Arnie, I'm talking to her like, all right, good. Now move off here. A little more push. You're too long on the wall. All right. You're, you're more than 45 degrees. All right. Delay your first kick. It's that. It's that. Mm. Mm. Mate, that that's that's coaching that and that's special. And um look, you've you've definitely well, got a you've definitely got a, a gift for this. Um well not really, Brett, because I you know, I, I'm sitting here and people give me accolades for Arnie and, and Molly and Maggie. I thought, well, I failed Mitch. I failed Elijah. I don't think I failed Abby. Abby was really good. I was really impressed with Abby, but she waited day five until she swam the 200 breaststroke and um and she did a really good swim she just needed another swim she just needed another swim but mitch and elijah i couldn't haven't i just didn't didn't get the best out of them and i failed them i failed them you know i know that they didn't perform to what they wanted to to perform but it's a partnership and i need to somehow i need them to you know, I think Elijah's a lot closer to me, and I've got to get Mitch to 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 want to be my best mate. Yeah, Elijah went in. Did he go into the Olympics as number one in the world? Yeah, number one, mate. Number one in the world, and and didn't make the final in the four hundred. No, no, he made the final. He made oh, the he final. He made the final of two hundred. Okay, right. So yeah. where did you fail him then? Like, what what what's your failure? No, my my failure is that. I, I didn't succeed in that moment with him. Like, you know, you know, I don't think there's going to be a failure in the future because you're going to learn from it. It's a reflecting point and you need to have those moments, but that's the biggest moment for him. And we didn't succeed there together. And, uh, you know, 
he understands it. We've, we've, we've learned from him. Um, he, 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 he handled the pressure great. It was just that he really, really wanted it, really wanted it to the point where, oh, you know, and, um, and it right. was just tense. It was right. just tense. And he's a beautiful boy, mate. He, tra he trained unbelievable. He did things. He did things unbelievably well in the pool. I thought that he needed to do things better prior the pre-stuff in the pool, which I've spoken to him about, and hopefully he's listening. But um, man, he was cooking. He was cooking. He was doing amazing stuff. It just just the want, you know? Right, the want. And I've been there, mate. Like, I've been in Olympic finals myself and and know that the want, you know, you can, you can press too hard. You can grab yeah. too hard sometimes. And that and that's yeah, tense, you know? He was tense yeah. and his head was lifting. I could just feel it. Right. And I couldn't subdue it. I couldn't mm -hmm. subdue it. And you probably, people look at me going, oh, Dan, you're too tense anyway. But I wasn't in that moment. Mm. You know, I can be very calm. You can be articulate. You can hold your manner in a different way. You can press when you need to be. You can be funny. You can be jovial or whatever you need to be. I'll give you an example. I always believed, you know, it's my first Olympics. Mm. I always thought when I get to that mountain, um, the job's done, which it is. Everything's done in training. As I said to you when I was younger, I wasn't smart. I wanted to train like I was racing and understood everything. So in training, it is done. So Arnie for us was the form of freestyle. He done. That is when I'm going to put pressure on you, getting your game plan right, and then we're just going to add salt and pepper, chili, spice, and just go for it in the final. But you're going to do that same game plan. So um, I always thought that when I walk her down to the martial era or walk anybody down the martial era who is in the same tune as me, that I would um, not talk about the race, just talk about what an honour, here we are, and tell a joke. And that's what I did. Yeah, I was going to say that because um, that's the wrong view. There we go. That's a better view. Um, you know, one of the things that is of obviously of interest to me is that those final moments, you know, those final moments. But, um, you know, it, it's incredible. There was a massive amount of buildup for this 400 free. And it was, yeah. it was the first battle. It was the first battle. Mm. And and I've I did a live commentary and, and – um, and, and, and you, I doubted, know, you doubted. I did. I did. You doubted, Hawkey. But I don't know her. I don't know you, and I don't know her. I'm just. Look, I'm looking at it from the outside in. You know, I don't know the inside out. I haven't seen the mileage, and this is why it's so easy for people to be critical because they mm. don't see the work that you're putting in. They don't mm. see the hours. They don't see the sets. All they see mm. is this final product of the the performance and the celebration. It's easy to make a comment about those things. And uh, and it was easy for me, you know. She she's yeah. getting beat at the at the two hundred. She's given too much to to Ledecky. This is the greatest yeah. female swimmer in history. She's given too much room, and yet what you've said to her and what you've said on the on, on the on the end the back end of this and what she mm. said on the back end of this is she stuck to the plan. Mm. So this is amazing to me. The plan was to give Ledecky the room she was going to have, and then to back end this thing. I mean, this is an incredible um, game plan to say that you're going to back end Caitlin. You're going to swim over the top of the greatest athlete in history. How do you come up with a plan like this? Um, What's well, the evolution of the athlete? So I saw Arnie, the 800 freestyle. The 800 freestyle at Guan Zhu, 
is the genesis of back end in that race. Mm. So she went, um, she went, uh, what was it? 4747, I believe, at Guangzhou mm. for an 800. That's not the way that Arnie swims. That's, that's not her. But that showed me that all the work was coming to fruition. Things had changed and shifted. The, the blocks have moved. And, um, uh, okay, just hold that hold that question because there is a, a, a story that links to that. Mm-hmm. It's Jacko, right. who, for me, is the greatest. Bowley and Jacko. I just love him. Why, why Jacko, Jacko could have... Hey? Why Jacko? What, what, okay. what was, was Jacko it? had a... Jacko could have easily not put me on that team, mate. But, like, people... people I don't know. I don't know why I'm, people either like me or don't like me because they go, oh, Dean's out of the box. He's 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 um he's a rogue. Right. Um, so so Jacko saw something in me and he put me on the team in two sixteen short course. And then he had a choice to put me on two seventeen. And anyway, two seventeen, Arnie at trials, uh, went out in two minutes and came back in two oh four and she went four oh four. She went 823 in the 800. And Jacko came up to me. I had heaps of people, mate. Like, no one was in contact with me prior. No one. I had everyone now telling me what to do. Mm. But me being dogged, I didn't listen. Telling me what to do and blah, blah, blah. And Jacko came up to me, which I have a lot of respect for. He came up to me and goes, Dean, it's not making sense, your tactic. Her best is 158.1. She's going out in two minutes, point two, and she's come back in 204. The best athletes in the world are negative splitting or even splitting. Mm. And and then I had another Doug Frost come up to me and he was telling me, oh, I stroke and, and she's not she's not back-ending and all this. And then I had someone else come up to me, right? And I disregarded them, but it was Jacko. And I was going, and I went home and I told my wife and I was going, why can't people just back me like I'm, I'm here every day on the front line trying to push this and I'm dreaming for this girl. Why aren't they? And I could have easily gone, I'm making a mistake here, but I didn't. Jacko came on the pool deck a week later on Monday and he walked up with me and he was talking and blah, blah, blah. And I said, Jacko, can I talk to you for a second? He said, yeah, sure. I said, Jacko, you said to me that she's swimming it wrong. She's going out in two minutes to 204. And I said, what do you want? her to do do you just want her to make the olympics or the olympic final or do we dream for this girl to try and win this olympics or actually try and challenge katie which is a dream katie's going out in 157.1 this girl's going in two minutes so if you wanted to go out in 202 come back in 202 she's going to be around about eight seconds off or do i bloody will go for this and he looked at me in his leadership right there if i had a don tell but a doug frost i would have said no listen to me listen to me you're not doing that. But he went, I've got your back. Go for it. And when she won in 219, he came up to me and he embraced me. He looked me in the eyes and he said, thank you. And that is a moment, mate. Wow. Wow. That's a moment. Like, like you can't kill the dream unless Arnie says she wants to make an Olympic final, then okay, yeah, no problem. Let's let's change the game. 
Jocko's a good man, isn't he? he I mean, oh, he's a great man, mate. And, I, and another story there for you <laughs> regarding yep. it. Oh, and I'm sorry if I'm talking too much, Brett, but I'm enjoying this. <laughs> um, is that uh, 2018 Pampax were in a place called Nagawoka, right? So I'll try and paint the picture for the audience. Um, the Australian team goes to this town and the whole town gets behind the Australian dolphins. There's signs, billboards. There, there's there's There's... People on the street waving with Australian flags. It's amazing, right, to have come to this place called Nagawoka. And anyway, part of the deal was the council takes us out and then we take all the coaches of that region to do like a, um, a workshop. And the way that the Japanese structured it was that they'll be in the traditional classroom, which is like horizontal, like one, two, three um, rows, and then us on the Australian team would be, would be in front of them in a horseshoe shape, right? Mm. I'm right next to the Japanese coaches. So Jack, Jacob, um, sorry, Jacko gets up and he introduces the, uh, the coaches and he goes, this is Craig Jackson. He is an Olympic gold medalist coach for Mac Horton. And they all stand up, the Japanese, and go, oh, great, 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 great. Oh. And they go, this is Simon Cusack. He is um, Chris Springer, silver medalist, um, Kate Campbell, Bronte Campbell, uh, world record holders. Oh, and then they go, this is Peter Bishop, Olympic champion coach, uh, Cole Chalmers. Oh, and then he goes, and this is Dean Boxall. And I stand up and he goes, he's done nothing yet. And I sit back down. <laughs> <laughs> and I sit back down. I'm like, thank you. Thank you. And I said that, and Bowley was pissing himself. <laughs> They're all laughing and giggling. And I was like, and Bowley's gone, oh, Brilliant. you've stirred the pot. And I was like, oh. Brilliant. Right. When, when, when Arnie won, I text Jacko and I said, you owe me a plane trip to Nagawoka and you're going to get me in front of those coaches and tell me I've done something. <laughs> and he said, yes. <laughs> Oh, I love that stuff, mate. I love that stuff. That's hey, he's the best, mate. He, he knew, the best. though. He knew. He, he just knew how to knows how to pull and prod and poke. Exactly. Like a, a, a great leader a right moment. there. It was a good moment. That's a good leader right there, mate. Absolutely. Oh, mate. Well, it, it must have been tough then to see him go, but but Rowan's yeah. come in and, and done a fantastic job, mate. Absolutely. Like, uh, what people have got to realise with Rowan is um, – He's incredibly passionate for Australia. He's incredibly um, uh, competitive, mm. um, and he's an exquisite coach to detail. Uh, he was the head coach of Nutawanen, which is the number one club, was the number one club in Australia. He was the head of that. So what he's done is he's brought that sort of philosophy and put it into the Australian team. We're a club. We're a club you know, that club mentality. We're coming together, we've got each other's back, we're supporting one another, we're about relays and so forth. And and, and he's just great. You know, like I could call up Rowan and, and, and have a conversation, one, about NBA, two, about Arnie, Mitch, Abby. I could call up about, you know, oh God, what's the what's what's the price of bread in China? And he could talk to me. It wouldn't it's not just about swimming. Like he's he's a really good bloke. He bleeds, he bleeds for us. He's on the front line. He understands it. Um, and, uh, you know, he's followed on from what Jacko, and he's got the most respect for Jacko, what he has put in place. You know, the culture, 
the mm. systems, the yeah. protocols, and the belief. Yeah. yeah, I'm so glad they re-signed him to, to Paris. I think it's uh, essential. Um, I think the next thing that's essential is that your pay increases. I mean, that you're underpaid, mate. You are underpaid. We've got to get a system where you're valued for how good you are. Because listen, mate, you're you're extraordinary. And then there are others that you know. You've got your you got your um, you know, Michael Bowles who are doing extraordinary things. But he's couple, extraordinary. I'm not extraordinary. Coaches that just need to be paid more. I mean, the American coaches are making a lot of money, mate. I mean, we're talking. Four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars US. I mean, it, it, it's big money. So, I'm hoping now with Brisbane coming in that you're going to be one of the top coaches paid in, in Australia. I, I'm hoping that this can be figured out somehow. Um, this is this is this is something that I'm very passionate about. That that I want to get you paid. I mean, there's no way that you should not be one of the top paid coaches in the world, along with. You know, a couple of the other Aussie coaches that are doing it because, I mean, you guys had a phenomenal Olympics, and um, there's no way that you should be underpaid. But anyway, we'll we'll figure that out. We'll get it done. But um, answer me this. Um, I, I mean, I'm interested in this. How did you know right before the games kicked off in Tokyo? When when did you know that she was going to be? really competitive with Katie because there was a lot of talk, honestly, that you had peaked for the trials. I mean, a lot of Americans, uh, thought, a lot of Americans thought, I'm going to tell you what the American oh, was. Absolute rubbish. You guys, you guys peaked too early. You, oh, you yeah, give the best performance in Australia yeah, and you okay. can't back it up at the Olympic Games. That's the talk, mate. And so there was a lot of confidence that Katie had obviously not rested for the trials and she was going to go to the Olympics and just destroy you. So, how do you know? When do you know that you guys are going to be competitive on that particular day? Well, I'll go back. Arnie had a huge shoulder problem. Huge. We really did disguise it well. We didn't want I didn't want anybody to know. I didn't want that to be attention to the media and then it gets more into Arnie's head. So we had a big problem, right? Shia could only race twice before trials, and that was a problem for me because I needed to build confidence. So she was. What do you mean shoulder problem? Like, like keeping her out of the pool? Is that what's going on? Yeah, like after state titles was January, she was out of the water. She oh. couldn't do what she did, and 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 you got to remember, it's a massive learning curve for me as well because I was just burning inside, like mm. going, Arnie, come on, Arnie, come on, we're going to miss this, we're going to miss this. Mm. And Arnie, being Arnie, she's meticulous in her process, in her process, and really, um particular she she then couldn't distinguish between the pain of the injury and just pain of the shoulder of training i had to go through that that took a few months um but she had a big problem like i'm telling you it was a big problem um it was an issue it wasn't just it wasn't just the uh, tendon it was also the bone it was a bone structure around a rotator cuff so we had we had an issue to deal with and um with the issue then comes confidence. So her confidence, I needed to gain, her confidence crashed. Um, and I thought, oh, no, here we go. You know, it's very difficult. Um, she went 401 prior to trials, uh, which was in a, you know, April, April 401. Mm. Prior to that, she was 4'6". Mm. Like it was, 
I'm going, oh, God, what are we doing here? Like, this is going to be really difficult. I thought, if she can't crack four minutes, it's going to be very difficult for me to sell her this dream. Mm. But the 4-1, the way that she swam it was timid and she didn't want to go out in pursuit of what she needed to do in the first 200. But when it came to trials, we spoke about having that, that, that um, being that offensive and going out and getting the feel of what it feels like to do your 400 again. And she just hit it, mate. So she's 401 in the lead up to trials, but then she's what 356? 356, 359. So, uh, how much rest did you give her? Three days. Three days. That's it. Yeah. Oh. I mean, when you when you call it three days, Brett, it's three days of drop taper, but you drop in like probably the week before. I kept her at six. Mm. I kept her at six guys. But what what people didn't realize is that um well coaches will understand this is that it was this compounding um, effect of work that we had we put some really good work in 2020 mm. really good work and for that injury so the injury gave us probably a bit of a rest and then a move forward and a huge adaptation mm. but but she, it wasn't like she had no work under a belt prior she had compounded work that we had systematically evolved so you know, that there shows me something as well as a coach, as a reflecting point for myself. Um, that's where it comes to. And I know, I know that she's faster. I know that she's faster. You, you know she's faster off more than three days rest then. You know, like uh, how, well, how, much, how much rest are you giving her? You know, you go to the trials, five weeks later you go to the Games. How much rest are you giving her before that first 400 free at the Olympic Games? I still kept her up because I've learned from trials. I still kept her up. She needed that work. Yeah, she needed that work. Because you've got to remember, for about three months there, she didn't have that work. So and she's coming the 800 too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly right. So we just kept it going forward, but we just became a little bit more specific towards the end, um, you know, race pace and more suited efforts. We didn't have that too much before trials. Um, but trials gave a confidence, right? Mm. Trials gave a confidence. You can't take away confidence, Brett. Confidence. She she was confident, mate. She she went to sleep that night thinking that oh, I can fight this. I, I can win this. But you got five I, weeks though. I mean, there, there's there's doubt that creeps in within that five weeks, and then you hear the then you hear the the other side of it of like the Aussies aren't going to swim fast. They never do. This is this is typical Australia. They're going to swim their best at trials. They're not going to. I mean, she, is she hearing this stuff as well? No. I do, and I use it as motivation. That motivates me. Right. I, like I got, I got, I got motivated when someone told me, and I'm, I, I, and I love my American coaches. Like I don't know Dave Durden too well. He didn't really talk to me there, right. but I know the other guys. Uh, I know not Greg too much, but was very polite. What a beautiful man! I know that he's great. All my research on him, mm. um, I would probably have liked to have been coached by Greg, and that gives you the the honor of what I think of him. Um, but uh, I use it as motivation. I heard that they were upset with the way that I carried on with tri at trials. Mm. They thought that I was uh, over the top. Mm. So I was like, all right, well, bring it on. Like, okay, dog it, here we go. Like, um, and that was nothing against the athletes because I've been with on the Cali Condors and the American athletes I absolutely love. Mm. I absolutely love. I love these guys. They're unbelievable. They're just beautiful people. 
but that's motivation right that's that's motivation like there's one thing that motivates me and it's from when i was a swimmer i have incredible doubt incredible doubt if i don't have doubt something's wrong i use doubt as fire if I'm not doubting that this is right, or something's not like I'm, I'm doubting myself, I then fight within to get out of it, to get out of it. Doubt for me is my motivator. So if someone's giving me huge praise and go, oh, yeah, they're going so well, they're doing this, they're doing that, I'm like, what's going on? I need something. Mm, so right. you search for it. So you search for the doubt. Well, I'll give you a motivator. I'll give you a motivator. And yeah. please... Ray, Ray Luce, if you're listening to this, you're a great coach. I like you. It's not against you. But in 2019, after the 200 freestyle, and I think um, I think uh, Lily had the 100 breast, I think. Um, uh, I was right at the last to get on the bus, and Arnie got second. I didn't like the way that she swam. I thought she was easily into 153.5 by that stage, but she wasn't. She didn't execute it right. Something just wasn't working. So um, I got on the bus, and there was an Egyptian swimmer on the right-hand side, and there was Ray and Lily sitting next to each other. And Lily's the best, mate. She's on Kelly Condor. She's the best competitor I've ever seen and a beautiful person. And I got on the bus. I'm in the Australian gear and I had my headset on, like this, you know, headset. And I walked up and I saw them and I clicked it off. And I went to sit at the back, directly at the back of them, directly. There's seats everywhere, everywhere. And I sat directly behind them and I turned off my headset. But Ray didn't even notice. They didn't notice that I was an Australian coach. They didn't know who I was. And I sat there. And uh, Ray's talking. They're talking a bit about... Um, you know, Simone's digging in and she's angry and she wants to get revenge. And then Lily was talking about a race and it was this beautiful chemistry between the two of them. And then Ray looked at Lily and gone, and I'm listening. I'm like right there going, um, did you see that young jackass in the 200 free? And I was like, well, that's my swimmer. And I was going to do like Shrek donkey in between the carrot and just go through and just stick my head through and go, that jackass is my swimmer. But I sat there and I just listened going out too fast and I used that for the next two years and I knew that it wasn't too fast she just was too hard the first 35 I knew that she's capable of going out in 55.5 and I knew she's capable of coming back in 57.5 I knew that <laughs> and that's what was needed and I knew that because I was creator of that program I knew that so I was thinking he thinks I'm a jackass I'm the creator of that and I was like just used it I just used it you know but he's great. Ray's great. I'm not. But that's how I used it, bro. Oh, man, you couldn't see me on camera, but I'm smiling the whole time. But, but, that's, but that's how I used it. Like, yeah. Like, I, I really like Greg. And I know that Greg got up because this is who I am. Greg, Greg got up and, um, and spoke at the, um, I think it was the World Swimming Conference there in Dallas in 2019. I wasn't there, but I got the notes and so forth. And he basically said that uh, America will beat Australia and win gold in the 4 by 2 And I'm the head of the 4 by 2 coach for that relay. So I used that. He won. Greg got me. I went straight up to Greg and said, congratulated him. He, I congratulated him. They, he mastered a plan and they, they beat us. They beat us. And I went directly to Greg to say, mate, well done. But I used that to, oh, but we can't win. 
that I didn't pull it off. That's interesting because um, I mean, you had success in Tokyo, but the, you bring up the four by two, and there, and there's criticism of that relay, and there's criticism oh. of the way it was put together. And I mean, right. look, Australians have more opinions than I do. On the outside, Americans are like, oh well, we 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 got them on that one, but uh, and the Chinese, yeah. no, they got us, they beat us, China beat us. But what happened? Like, what's your side of the story here? Um. I'm going to take a bit of responsibility, of course, because I'm the leader of that that team. But I mean, I mean, I only went one fifty four five. The best is one fifty three zero. The girl will give you everything, but the girls won a four hundred freestyle, become Olympic champion, the biggest event of the Olympics against Katie. She's then won the two hundred under pressure. She was the favourite. You can't hide away from being the favourite. Then one fifty three zero. There's a cost to do with emotion somewhere. Mm. And it came when, um, and also with, with Emma, you know, like Emma's better than going to 155-1, uh, mm. but Emma's going to give you your heart and soul. She's, she's unbelievable. She's fantastic. She just was, at that stage, just energy deficient a little bit, maybe from emotion, a big meet so far. She's got a lot of events coming forward. Mm. So um, they just weren't right where they needed to be. And if they were, everything would have been okay because... That's just what what how it basically un, unfolded. Right. But but with Arnie, it was uh, I gave her the afternoon off just to rest and recover and just get away from the pool and get away from the atmosphere. And I should have said to her to go to the gym and go on the bike and move and do a core program and do something just to keep her moving, not that everything just goes bang stop. Right, right. So I reflected on that. That's a moment there. I think that we would have been a little bit better. But it's not like Arnie gets up and goes, oh, I'm going to cruise this. We've got this easy. We should win this easy. I think, I think, yeah. And that's where people mess it up is like. Yeah, and Brett, you've got to remember that girl that went 155-1, Molly O'Callaghan, she's my girl. I coach her. She yeah. got the world junior record. But they knew their role. Four in the heat, four in the final. Save people. Make sure they can go to bed early. No adrenaline shot through their body. They can sleep that they can cover, and they can bring in the warrior in the morning. Give, give me a little bit about her, actually, Molly O'Callaghan. I mean, oh, man. I don't know no. much about her. She's she's just done these phenomenal things in front of the world. It's like, who is this girl? She's mm. young. Everyone's talking about Titmus, but this, but this this girl, my yeah. God, right? tell, tell me yeah. about her. Titmus better be better be careful, and people around the world better be careful on Molly because she's dogged. Her mother is from Croatia, Tony. Her father, Nick, is from, from England. Uh, they're Australian now, of course. But my wife's from Slovakia, Eastern Europe. They're dogged, mate. They're tough. They are tough people. They've gone through wars. They've gone through hardship. And, and her mum is tough. Her father is dogged. And Molly has that in her, right? So Molly has doubt. She gets nervous, but she just fights it, right? And... Um, I joke with her that Molly has five voodoo dolls of me that she goes home at night and stabs them. And I'm like, because I'm, I'm, I'm sort of going at her. You know, I'm a bit like a tiger with her. And she just gets in and she's dogged. Um, what people don't know is in the relay, she went 53-0 mm. and then she went in the medley relay last she went 52-3 she came back in 26-7 one of the fastest back in speeds in the world 
And in her relay, when she went 155-1 and broke the, the world junior record, she came back into 58-1, the second fastest split mm. at the Tokyo Olympics for backhand. She's going to be there. She's tough. She's good. She's got a magnificent kick. She's dogged. And she's good to coach, mate. Does, 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 does Tipmus know it? Like, like, all right, this is this is this this young girl is right on my heels. Well, Arnie, if you don't know it, know it now. If you don't know it, honestly, know it now. And and Molly, believe, mate, believe, because you were remarkable at Tokyo. And you have got it in you. You've got it in you. How do you manage that, though, mate? How do you manage two women that are at oh. the top of their game, but they're competing against each other in a way? Well, well, I think not. Not this has been any complications yet, but um, you just don't get them to go against each other all the time. You make right. sure you pick with fights, right? You make sure that you, um, you know, you you uh, provide them with the opportunity to to recover, and then provide them with the opportunity then to be competitive. Mm. Um, you've got to respect one another. Um, Molly knows that Arnie is the benchmark. Arnie knows now that Molly is is hunting. I mean, it's it's simple. You've got Katie's going to come back stronger. You've got Summer McIntosh, which is going to be unbelievable. You've got Penny, who is just a warrior when it comes to the big meets. You've got the Chinese. I mean, have a look at the Chinese women at four but two. They're going to be there. Um, and you've got Siobhan. Like, she's unbelievable. Like, they're, if you, look, if you can't hold your ground in your environment, how are you going to hold there? How are you going to hold there? Is there anything you do now? I mean, you've had time to reflect. You've had time to think about this. You've got three years till Paris. I mean... You've you've now you've gone from talking about the goat to now winning, you know, multiple Olympic gold medals. So so now you're there. How do you then go from where you've wanted to be to maintaining that type of level that Katie has been able to maintain for seven or eight years? Oh, another great question, Brett. Well, uh, maybe the philosophy is this. Um. Hard times create strong people. Strong people create good times. Good times create weak people. Weak people create hard times. Where is Arnie situated now? Where is Molly situated now? Arnie maybe is now in the good times, and I've got to make sure she's aware. So, Arnie, if you're listening, if you're listening, you've got to be aware that you're heading into the good times, which creates weak people. You have got to be understanding of your situation. Molly's hungry. She's got to climb that mountain. So I've got to make sure I provide that environment going, guys, it's over. The next one is Paris. The next one is, if you think that this is the limelight and you're getting all the glory and the and the praise and, and you know endorsements and all this and you think that's the name of the game, then you've missed the reason why you started our sport. Um, and that's going to be a hard sell, especially for Arnie, but she's got to understand it. And we've got reflecting points there because she got too social after 218 and she got her ass kicked at the Australian short course and then she got dogged for six weeks and won the World Championships. Um, so 
yeah, it's 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 you can't you can't flow through that. You've got to understand that situation. Like if you if if you want to be a strong person, you're gonna to have to go through some hard times. You don't see roadworks people driving a Mercedes car and living in a mansion. You don't see it, mate. They're up early working on the road. You know, they're they're they're, they're hard. Mm. It's e- it's easy to, it's easy to forget how you got there, isn't it? And and it's and it's easy to say, I don't know if I want to go through that again. But well, well, that's it, right, man. I mean, look at Katie. Look at Michael. Mate. I mean, we spoke about Michael, and I don't know Michael. I would love to have met her. I met Bob. I would love to have actually gone out and had a steak and a wine with Bob. Um, I think he's just tremendous. But I never had that opportunity, and I hope oh, maybe I never will. But. Um, with Michael, we we spoke about when Arnie was going before that two hundred before by two and a half. She said, "I'm just exhausted. I'm going to get ready for the eight hundred. And we're like, "Michael, look what Michael did! It is unbelievable." When you when you sit back on the couch and you look and you go, "There's Michael winning gold, gold, gold," and you're thinking, "How easy!" You just turn the TV on. So you might be having a cup of coffee, go to the gym, you're doing some emails, and you go, "Oh, the swimming's on." You turn the TV on. You don't know the process was taking place. Did he get sleep? How much swim down did he do? Had a massage, a drug test, uh, a press conference. You have no idea. It's just basically watching a movie. You don't know what's gone into the production. So we got the the feel of it. And Katie was unbelievable how she had to do her 1,500 or 200 of the day. Like, yeah. it's it's a mammoth and, and a monstrous effort. It's unbelievable. I was going to say that. Is that something you consider uh, the fifteen hundred? Because Katie, Katie's in that realm. Katie, Katie's looking. No, it, it, you just brush no. it. Do you do you try no. and do you try and no. win the eight hundred now, or do you do, or no, just play no. the eight hundred and, and I focus on the two and four? Like, where do you go from here? No, Brett. No, honestly, I've done one fifteen hundred just for training purposes of me for Arnie. I was literally, if I had a bow and arrow, I would have started shooting balloons and, and, and lights out. I, I was watching just going, oh, God. No, mate, just not designed, you know, like it's a different, it's a different event, mate. It's a, yeah. it's, 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 it's a different training mythology we're going to have to do to get into the 1500. No, we're quite happy where we are with that. No. Let me no, ask you this then. Not. Can she break this? world record in the 200 freestyle a lot of people are saying that this is suited record it's 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 almost untouchable in a way but is she good enough to break this 200 yes definitely 100 percent. And the, and the and the 400 the olympics was about a race like arnie went out and 158 one that's not where i wanted arnie to be she's better than that she's 153.0 going on 158.1 5.1 seconds arnie what are you doing arnie what are you doing like you're going out in 158, sorry, your best is 158 one, you're going out in two minutes and 217. Mm. She was capable of being out of the 156 eight, 157 two, right? But what people don't understand, the evolution with Arnie was a back end. She, she went out in 158 one and came back in 158 five. 158 five, no one's ever done that. No one's ever done come back in a 158 five, even Katie, and Katie's at 804. Thank you. See, see that. I'm going to click back onto me. That's where my doubt was, mate. I'm, I'm doing this thing live. I didn't think she's coming back in 150. Give me some credit here. And I had to say this to her. I had to apologize. I haven't seen. I haven't. I don't know the race plan. But there's no way I'm thinking she's coming back in 158. One. I mean, she came back like a machine. Yeah, but you know, you know what's funny? That Susie O'Neill was, 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 was there. She was there watching the race. Mm. And when Arnie won. 
she said that is exactly to the day 25 years since i won my first gold in atlanta for the 200 butterfly and then she said to me dean if arnie swam that time on the way back on a 200 freestyle 158.5 she would have beaten me in sydney for the olympic gold wow that was extraordinary wow i was like wow we knew we had backhand well it's an evolution it's a compounding effect but Arnie, if you want to go into that 355, 354 realm, like you're not swimming like that going to 158, one girl. Like, but she just looked, I was watching that race, you know, and I just watched it and I made sure I had no stopwatches because I wanted to visually just watch. I wanted to like watching a movie, mm. right? And so I didn't have any stopwatches, but my visual cues were she looks comfortable, she looks easy, she looks in control. Kayla looked awesome. Mate, how good is this? Mate, I'm loving every second of this. I'll tell you what. Let's just keep going. We can maybe do, you can split it into three. Yeah, we'll split it up. I've done, I've done 200 of these and I've never, I've never wanted to just continue to keep going. Mate, I want to just keep going and we might, might go three hours, but then you've got three hours worth, eh? Yeah, we'll cut it into two spots. I'm loving this, mate. You are brilliant at your job. I appreciate it, mate. Thanks. I've done a couple, so it's easy. But listen, here's what I want to ask you. Let's get back onto this. I want to ask you this, okay? She's listening to this. She's seen you talking to the camera. She's on her break. She's enjoying But when is the time that you have decided that you need to have this talk with her? Have you given her space here? Or like, When are you pulling back in here? Have, has there been an agreement? Oh, another great question, Brett. No, there's no agreement yet. I've, I contacted I, – when we arrived in um, Brisbane after quarantine – I think I said to my guys, I'll be in contact with you on the 29th of August, which is a Sunday. I drove up to the coast at Noosa. It's a beautiful place in the world. Mm. And I arrived at 10 o'clock and I sent them all a message. So guys, just a reminder that I said that I was going to call you or message you on the 29th. Um, nothing is compulsory at the moment, but probably start getting moving, go for a walk, go for a run, do some gym. If you want to go to the pool, hop in the water. Um, I'll be in contact by the end of the week because I'm not ready as well. I need to recover. I really am empty. I've, I've just dropped my batteries down and I need to recharge. So, and they need that as well, probably more than me. Um, one, to be away from me, be away from the program, be away from the grind, be away from one another, be with their loved ones. Um, so uh, I, uh, I haven't yet given the date. I need them to go, Dean, I'm ready. I'm ready. It's not ready to get back into work and let's go after it. It's about being ready to start the engine again and then start the steps to climb the rut of the ladder. Um, so I'm, what I've learned over the last few years is it's okay if things aren't going to be right over the next probably six months. That's okay. Paris, different. Paris is different. Is there is there any fear at all that any of them will come to you and say i don't want to do this again yeah i do really i do i think there'll be a few people i think there'll be a few people that uh, but it's not just a few people from from my program brett i think it's i think it's global uh that there'll be a lot of changes in different programs all around the world it's olympics it's done all right if you want to make a move you make a move now um you know like like I'm not, ours is probably a demanding program. It's a tough program. It's challenging because you're held accountable 
it's not held that we're giving you rubbish work to do. As I said, I I doesn't do more than sixty k a week. No, she doesn't do, and she's at silver medals and eight under three. I know way more probably probably five of the athletes in that final and in in the whole program there at Tokyo out of the the twenty four athletes, probably twenty two of them do more than Arnie. But it's accountability. It's accountability. That's probably what's the hard part. How how is it when an athlete comes to you and they don't want to be held to that standard? Like you know, it's too much for them. Has, has that happened to you where they've said like, and, and they might not say that in that respect, but there's obviously been a split somewhere. But is that, is that difficult for you when you realise that an athlete is just not ready for that type of commitment? Oh, um, I don't think they would probably come. I think they sort of know that from me. Um, and then you get found out pretty early. Um, mm. You got the athletes there in the program who are really striving for it. They will basically, you know, they'll test them out as well. Mm. Um, you just wouldn't fit in that mould. Um, but I've got some really good um trainers and athletes and people to make themselves accountable like there's a kid called charlie cox uh, 200 butterfly one of the best trainers i've seen to do with butterfly he's just as meticulous in his uh, adaptability with training on being a metronome he just holds but we just can't yet get him into um into the race mode yet you know we've got to build a lot more strength but he really does he comes early, does what he needs to do, he pushes through, he, he, and he's a really good boy. Um, but, you know, you have those people, and then they, people look around like, I've got to be that, I've got to do that. Look at Arnie, look at Mitch, mm. look, look at Charlie, you know. Um, one is Kai Taylor. Uh, he's a um, Haley Lewis's son. Oh, he's, oh mate. He's 49.9, uh, he's 22.9. He's one of the best trainers I've ever coached. Mentality, mindset, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. He's just the most beautiful boy. Oh, Brett, you would love him, mate. Haley and Greg have done this tremendous job with him. And now I've got to make sure that I hold mine. Haley Lewis, man, that's a blast. That's a name from the past. Uh, yeah. what, a, what an athlete, too. I was on a couple of teams with her. Oh, she's great, mate. Yeah, legendary. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, I want to talk about the ISL real quick. How did you get involved in the ISL? How did you end up? Wait a second. Wait a second. Yeah. My pants here. <laughs> condors, is. baby. The condors. Mate. The condors, mate. Mate, the condors are untouchable. Mate, right? the condors. The greatest team. The greatest team. Jason Lazak. Jeff Julian. Mate, they are the pinnacle. Mm. Mate. I saw you at Vegas because you're on LA Current. Yeah, of course. Of course. But Jason is the greatest, mate. He's the greatest manager. He's the greatest people manager. He just allows you to do your job. He's 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 fun to be around with. Mate, they are the best, mate. He's good. I mean, Jason Lizak's good. He's not the best 50 freestyler I've ever met. Um, <laughs> <laughs> best relay swimmer. Best relay swimmer in the world for sure. Mate, the Condors, like the ISL was the ISL was unbelievable. Like I wanted to be with the Americans because um, one was just, you know, like they are for us the pinnacle, and I wanted to be with them, and I wanted to 
to, to um, create relationships with them, like with Greg Troy, which is the best. Greg is like Bolly, he's the Yoda, and he's phenomenal. And then you're just watching people like Caleb. Like Caleb is the most professional person I've ever seen. Um, the story that was in Naples, like the, he, he was before as a hundred freestyle. He um, came up to me and he's going, Dan, you know who the dog is? I said, no, mate, what's wrong? He goes, I've just been vomiting. I think I've eaten something wrong. And I went, oh, God, I'll go and find the dog. And anyway, he composed himself. He understood what his, his talent is and his ability. And he just went into himself. I've got to compete for the condors and I've got to do my job. And he's been vomiting, mate. And he goes, 45 seconds for 100 free. Wow. Like he gets in the water. He is encouraging to the other guys. Um, like, you know, he was giving Bo Becker a bit of like, come on, mate, you're okay. Hey, I didn't do my best time. You're okay. Let's get in and let's warm down and let's go again. Like, Caleb is unbelievable, mate. Yeah, so it's going to stick how nice he is and how good he yeah. is. Yeah, those he is. usually he go is. together. He is, mate. He's nice. He's, he's every like, he's even more what people say about him. Yeah. Like, um, you watch him, he shuts down his breath with 15 metres to go. He trains like that. Greg set his mindset. Greg set it. Yeah. You know, with, with um, Sergio, they set his mindset. It's he's about mindset. He makes sure. Um, comes into the pool. He looks at the program. There's a sprint program. There's a distance program. One says 10 400s iron. One says maybe, let's call it, uh, 15 150s. He goes, Greg, I'll do the 10 4s am. Okay, because I want to make sure that I'm there. So some of these things that you, you, you've put in your own program were reinforced with, with going to the ISL and seeing these top mate. guys. Mate, absolutely. Like watching, what, just, just being around these great athletes like, um, you know, like, like Olivia uh, from uh, Georgia Tech. Like she's Olivia. just a beautiful girl. Like just what, a, what there were like five athletes there on the Cali Condors. Um, that, that, you know, they, they were on that, the, the, from Georgia Tech and they, the way how close they were and interacted and how fun they made it. And they got on the water and they did their job. They did their training sessions. They did their job. But they believed and they were absolutely in tune with their sport. They're, they're from Georgia. We'll forgive you. You don't have to add the tech on there, but uh, that's all right. You're from oh, it's Georgia. Georgia. It's not Georgia Tech. It's, it's just Georgia, yeah. It's uh, Jack Bowley. Jack Bowley, Georgia. Yeah, Jack, Jack, he's great, mate. He's like, a good man. He's literally the bulldog. <laughs> he is the bulldog. But uh, why, why no ISL this year then? You just needed a break from it? Well, when I was needed a break, I wanted to go last year. I, I really wanted to go last year. My plan for going into the Olympics looks so much better with ISL. But COVID, mate, Australia is, um, oh, mate, we are absolutely, um, uh, what would be the word, um, obsessed with trying to make sure we don't have this virus. So right. we're having lockdowns left, right and centre. Like we've come from the Olympics and we've got quarantine for two weeks and the quarantine mate it is a quarantine you have your own room you have a red line that you can't go past you wear a mask um you know you can't go and do exercise you're stuck in your confinement um you know it's tough like if we went to isl we have to come back and go quarantine and i believe this time yeah. they weren't going to pay for even quarantine you have to pay three grand oh wow of your own money 
And that's two weeks, mate. Like then during that time, like that means you would have come home, you would have to quarantine, you need to go back and you quarantine again. Mm. Um, just too difficult, you know. But I felt, mate, unbelievable. Loved it. We love it. Absolutely, mate. Um, let me ask you this then. Uh, this, is, this is a personal question. This is a tough question, but I think it's so so relative to all coaches, you know, coaches that just dedicate their lives. How has this impacted your family? You got you got two young kids, you got a wife at home. Mate, you're intense. Like you're you're bringing this stuff home. You're thinking all night long. And I asked Arnie the same thing. I mean, Dean's at home thinking how he can make his athletes better all the time. This has got to have an impact on your family, mate. It's got to be tough. Oh, mate, mate. It, it has. It does. It's something that I'm wrestling with. How do I get to do that again? Right. I was obsessed. I was, I was besotted with trying to achieve for these Olympics and for the guys and uh, making sure that St. Peter's keeps number one. And, mm. oh, mate, it's, I, I've married a, a beautiful, stoic lady from Slovakia who's a lawyer. Um, She's gone through hard times over there and she understands hard times and she understands to be resilient. But that doesn't matter. Like, I come home, she just wants me to be present with the boys and the family. Exactly. And I can't be, mate. I can't be. Like, one of the things that I have is you know, I keep the kids accountable and I keep myself accountable. I've got to make sure I walk on that pool deck in the afternoons and the mornings and I have energy. So I get up an hour and 20 minutes before I go to the pool in the morning to make sure that I'm up. I cannot be one of those people that alarm goes off for 20 minutes ago, I jump in the car and I go and I walk into the pool. I've got to be up and I've got to be ready. In the afternoon, it's the same. I have one and a half hours sleep from around about 11.30 to one o'clock every day. I have to have it. I'm sick of people doing meetings during that time. It's ridiculous. I need to have my sleep and I go into the pool deck to give my energy, my energy for the guys. And if I don't, I feel like I'm letting them down, letting myself down, I'm letting, I'm letting, I'm letting Australia down, I'm letting St. Peter's down. Um, and I've got to have that energy. But then that, that, that takes away from my family because on Sunday I still have my sleep. I'm just dead. I'm just dead. I'm not present with my family. And it's, it's, it's starting to cost. It's starting to cost my family a bit. Um, and to be honest with you, Brett, I, I don't know. I don't have a solution yet to that problem. Um, I've listened to Greg talk about him going to play golf and he just needs that time. But I also listened to Greg and I, and, and I, and I was envious of the way that he is with his family as well. He gives a lot back. Like he's, God, he's really, he's really um, manages it well. Well, I don't. Greg Troy, we're talking about, yeah. No, no, Greg Mann. Oh, Greg Mann. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've listened to his podcast and so forth. The way he manages, he's very good. Very good. Um, I don't have that. I, I don't, and I don't know if I'm going to have that. And that's really sad. I don't know. And that'll be the thing that will drive me out. That'll be the thing that will drive me out when I go, oh, the my athletes don't really care what I'm doing. Right. And my family is now completely affected. I think that will be the driver. How old are your boys? 
it's hard, Brett. I, I don't know how you guys, I mean, maybe it was a bit of a cost for you. I don't know. But talking to a lot of coaches, it, it's, it's, it's extremely difficult. I mean, I hope that parents who are listening to this and, and athletes in particular, you've got to remember that your coach sees you more than your father or mother. They absolutely invest more. And I say this, and, and, and parents are listening, going, oh, that's rubbish. Okay, I'll explain this to you. Most parents have a job. And they go to their job and they invest in their job. My job is to invest into your kids every day, every minute, every minute. When you're at work for eight hours, you're thinking about sales or managerial procedures or better in the company. I'm not. I'm thinking about better in your kid. That's the difference. That's the difference. I'm not thinking about my child. I'm thinking about your child. Man, I'm with you 100%. I'm with you 100%. I was there. I've, I've done this. I've been head coach of a major university where I'm in charge of 60 college kids. I'm in charge of 20 professional athletes You know, within that group. So we're talking about 80 swimmers. Then I'm in charge of coaches and staff of about 12 people. So we're talking almost... We're talking almost 100 people that that I'm responsible for ultimately. And I did 10 years of this, mate, where it was um, back to back to back, where it was, you know, you go from the the college season to the um, the long course season, the World Championships, the Olympic Games, the Pan Packs. You do all this, you know, and, and you go from that to that to that to that to that. And you invest so much into the kids, so much into the program for the program success. You're talking about St. Peter's right now. You're talking about your your own athletes. You're investing all this time and energy into these things that are outside your family and you're taking away from your family. And, um, man, man, I'm a divorced father now, uh, two years on where I'm I'm divorced and uh, it's very, very difficult to be, you know – (laughs) <laughs> I could I could sit here and tell you personal stories about how difficult it is in terms of the relationships that I didn't have with my own children that I that I've had with you know other people's kids because I've invested in them and their success and their glory and taken away from the time and energy of my own kids. It's it's a very difficult balance, and I'm not I'm not sitting here telling you you know either way. I'm just saying that it's very difficult, and I. How old are your, your boys right now? Eight and four. And, and Brett, I don't want to be disrespectful to you. And I, I, like, because, you know, I know you well, but, mate, I, I don't want to have that. I don't yeah. want to be divorced. No. I don't want to have that no. issue with my, my kids. But I, know. but I just hope that people that are listening can understand the investment and energy and time mm. and, and, and your creativity of the mind that goes into... Yeah. Their child, All right. their child. It's it's there must like you can't go home and go. Oh, I'm with my child and blah 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 because there has to. There's a, always a cost, right? There's, right. there's an opposite effect. Mm-hmm. So you need to recover. Mm-hmm. Um, and mate, oh, it, that's my mind was always going, mate. My mind was always going, and that that was, it, it, that was that was the biggest thing with my ex-wife is like you're not present, you're not. You're physically here, but you're not mentally here. I need Mate, you mentally. 100%. 100%. Yeah. I'm on a break. I'm on a break. I'm going to try and take six to eight weeks. I can't yet. 
let go because I'm still dealing stuff with school. I'm still mm-hmm. dealing stuff with a potential coach that something's happened on. I'm dealing with um, right. a couple of the athletes or, or, or whatever. Right. I can't. I, I'm going, I've got to somehow just let this go and come back up. Like, I don't know how people do it. Like, I look at Greg as I see Greg Mean and I go, wow, mate, phenomenal coach and, you know, huge responsibility and expectation on his shoulders being at Stanford and so forth. He he does it better. He does it way better than myself. And I don't have a solution to it. I don't have uh, – well, get rid of the solution. I don't even have a pathway. I, I don't think – I don't know what to do. Yeah, it's difficult, well, mate, because I think that will be the killer of me. That will be the that will be the one that hurt, that 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 makes me leave the game or or or, or stop or whatever. But um, you know, yeah, it's 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 challenging, man. I just don't know. And if I really sat down now, if you and I really went down this pathway of this conversation, I probably think you and I would probably have a tear. We'd probably start crying. You know, it'd be. Because it's that raw, it's that difficult. It is, mate. It, it is. Um, I certainly don't want you to look back in 10 years from now when your son is 18 and 14 and have the type of regret that I do, mate. I, I really don't, you know. And so I, I want this to be part of the conversation of, of really analyzing because we've, we've analyzed a lot here. But I want this to be part of the analysis of, Understanding well, that your have family. You, have you heard like you've had some amazing coaches on there, uh, Bowley, Greg, yeah. you know, Greg Troy, yeah, you've had Greg, yeah. um, yeah, I think you've had Dave Durden, you've had a huge amount of yeah, Sergio, um, Bob. What have they said? It have you asked them? What? How do they do it? Look, uh, look, a lot of these guys I know personally, and um, and, and and you're right, it's a difficult balance for all of us. There's a lot of pressure for all of us. We're all competing. We're all challenged. We're all going from meat to meat to meat. Um, you know, here, here's my advice that I can give you based on just my own experience. What I would say to you is that there is a time where you walk into the house and your wife and your kids want you and need you. And you have to find that time and energy. And, and sometimes what it would mean for me, and, and I wish I did this more, is just drive around the block three times because I wasn't prepared to immediately go home yet. Yeah. And so if you immediately go home and you walk in and, and you just know that you're not ready, then they're going to they're gonna feel that too. And I wish I did this more, but I would drive around the block a few times and just prepare myself to be ready for my family. And my God, I wish I did that more, man. And I and I hope you do that. I hope that, you. That 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 is amazing. That's that's intelligent, right there, and, and reflecting points. I'll give you an example. We've got this sort of concept between coaches that you go. You've got to make sure that you are living relatively close to work within fifteen minutes, because mm-hmm. otherwise it becomes quite challenging. You know, you drive back and forward. Yep. But I find if you're ten minutes away. You don't get that opportunity to just drop because you're normally making phone calls in the car yep. and then you walk in. But I've, a couple of times I've gone to Chandler. For those people that, that, that don't understand where Chandler is, it's around about 40 minutes away from where I live. It's the basically head centre of Brisbane. And when I had that 40 minutes, I'm calling, I'm dissecting, I'm thinking it's over and I walk in and I'm a little bit better. But I would hate that trouble. I would hate that trouble. 
Yeah. I think it's that 20 minute window that you need. Yeah. You need 20 minutes. And when you get home, you need to sit down in front of the TV and watch reality TV or Arnold Schwarzenegger and Terminator 2, smash up some people or, you know, some action movie Rambo for 20 minutes. You just sort of look at there like a zombie and then bang, you're, you're right. <laughs> yeah, I did that a few times, that's for sure. Yeah, you but, need that, Matt. You know, you yeah. sit there and how's your day, love? And like, oh, I'm not ready. I go. That's why I would drive around the block because I knew as soon as I walked in, they would want me to be ready. And I, and I wasn't, you know, at times. Yeah, I you have to be too. Like, it's wrong. It's wrong for me to walk out. I just can't. I don't know how to yeah. work it out yet. Well, the other thing is uh, the, the phone is such a, such a, a, a you know, it just gets in the way of everything. So, exactly. you know, my phone, we, we, were, we had to do, deal with recruiting. We had to deal with, you know, dealing with issues of different kids. And, and so um, I did. I had to set boundaries. And, and look, I wish I did more of this in reflection. A lot of this is in reflection. And, I do, and I'm telling you this because I don't want you to get to this point. Um, what I had to do was set boundaries. I had to say, Look, you've got me from six in the morning to six at night. I'm yours. You want to text me at six oh one a.m. Boom, I'm answering it. You want to text me at five fifty nine p.m. I'm answering it. But from from six to six, I'm yours. And then from six p.m. to six a.m., that's my family time. It has to be. It's got to be. I struggle with that, guys. Struggle with that, Brett, because. I'm, I'm on that sort of wavelength or, or philosophy of like, let's say, for example, you know, Mitch is 28 years old, but Mitch calls me at 11.30, something's happened. I'll be mm -hmm. there for you. Mm -hmm. yep. I'll be there for you. If that phone goes and I look at it and it's and it's Mitch or yeah. Elijah or Nani, I'm just giving an example. It's 11.30. They need yeah. me. They need yeah. me. And I'm there. And that's okay. That's okay in emergencies. They've got to understand yeah. that. If, if there's an emergency... I get it and my wife gets it, my family gets it. There's emergency situations. But if that's going off three or four times a week at 11.30 at night, then there's yeah. got to be some boundaries, mate. That's where the boundaries yeah. – and, and that's what you've just got to explain to your, your, your kids is – I mean, I mean, your athletes is like, look, I'm yours for these 12 hours. Like, use me as much as you want. Come to me at midday and just give me everything. Let's have a meeting. But at 9 o'clock at night, 9.30 at night, my wife – desperately needs me this is when i i've got to be there for her i've got to be there for my sons and if you if you're not putting those boundaries in then it becomes so distorted that over time i'm not talking within six months i'm talking over a period of five to six years this becomes very problematic for your family over an extended period of time very problematic and this is where you're going to have problems you know uh, yeah i might not I understand what you're saying. I just don't have the answers, right? Um, I know that my wife will listen to this probably in a week's time or whatever. I love put you. some boundaries in, mate. For her. If you put some boundaries in for your wife, she's going to love that. She's going to appreciate that. And then she knows when she's yours. She knows when she's yours. Like your athletes know when you're theirs. Hey, from 6 a.m. Yeah. to 6 p.m., I'm giving you everything of Dean. But, but at nine o'clock at night, Dean is my wife's. This is this is my this is my son's. I am my sons know that they can come to me at eight o'clock at night, and I'm going to give them everything because I've just given I've given my athletes everything I've got. I've got. 
And, the, and then you've got to strike some balance in there to say, all right, I'm giving everything to my athletes. I'm giving everything to my family. I've got to have some downtime for Dean. You know, you got to you got to allow some mm. sort of mm. like boundary. Like I love UFC. I love the UFC. Yeah, it's good. There's about four hours of UFC fighting, and I just say, look, every week, just give me the four hours to watch UFC. Now, some guys go out and play golf. Other guys go out and you know whatever it is. But if you just if if you build that in as well, then there's 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 team time, there's family time, and then there's this down period for you where you can decompress. And then that provides balance. And, uh, and, uh, and balance is a, is a strange word. We think balance needs to be 50-50. Balance is not a 50-50 thing. Balance could be 20-80. That could yeah. be balance. Yeah. You know, it could be 80% team, 20% family or whatever. But, but, but balance is just striking a point where your family knows that you are theirs and your team knows that you are theirs and then you have some downtime where you've got those four hours per week where that's my time as well. And if you start to build that in over a period of a few years, that's when you can get that balance that your family mm-hmm. needs, your team needs, and they have oh, a clear understanding then, mate. I think I think with this conversation we've just had in the last 10 minutes, probably for the parents that are listening, please, if you can understand what I'm saying to you, your coaches – are invested in your child for sure that they are invested they are dreaming for your child when you're not that is the most important thing they are doing it for your children Mm -hmm. not their own so give them a break support them Mm -hmm. encourage them give them a gift on their birthday give them a present on christmas give them a present you know come into to a session once a month and you're picking up their kids, give them a coffee, give mm-hmm. them a slab of beer or one beer or a bottle of wine, just yeah. something. Go understand that they are going home and honestly thinking about your child. Yeah. yeah. So please, please, parents, understand that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that, mate, um, for sure. But, uh, you know, you have an agreement with Arnie, you have an agreement with Elijah, you have an agreement with your athletes and they have a clear understanding and they understand the agreement. But I'm telling you, and, and this is just advice because I don't want you to end up where I ended up. Your wife wants the same agreement, mate. Your, yeah, kids, your kids want the same agreement. They don't want you all the time, but when they have you, for a certain amount of time, they want you. Mate, I, I can't tell you how many soccer matches I went to and I was on the phone recruiting the whole time. Recruiting, mate. Recruiting someone else's kids. And most of the time, 90% of the time, those recruits I'm talking yeah. to, they didn't yeah, it's my shocking. Program. It's shocking when you think about it, isn't it? Mate, mate I'm sitting there watching my daughter play soccer and I'm recruiting someone else's kids who doesn't I know. Who come to my program. My, my son's playing tennis and I'm trying to work out problems to do with another kid in the pro- mm. program. And then you're watching these beautiful parents watching the kids mm. playing tennis and they're just looking and like just going like, oh, beautiful. Look at my kid playing tennis and I'm going, I'm not even there. Yep, not even there. Not even there. Yeah. Well, listen, mate, you've identified this problem. You can't now look back on this talk that we're having – three years from now and say I did nothing about it. 
it's your responsibility. I'm putting it on you right now in front yeah. of the whole world. I'm putting the responsibility on you to say, find balance. And again, balance is not a 50-50 thing. Balance I, I, is just being there when they need you to be there. I, I will ask the coaches out there, whoever's listening, I'll ask to put in a message for myself and to other coaches out there how to do it, how to do it, give advice. You've given great advice, Hawkey, but I'm asking people to maybe give myself advice and other coaches out there that are in that same sort of mould. Um, yep. Like Dave Marsh, you know, these guys, you know, please, please, please message and, you know, Ben Titley and so forth, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, I know plenty that have either been on the verge of everything falling apart and, and figuring it out or, or you know what, it's, it's all falling apart. Coaching is a very difficult gig, mate. It's a tough one. Uh, yeah. And especially at the level that you're performing at where you're putting it all on the line, you, you know, you're sacrificing it all. Mm. And, mate, mm. the only thing I saw in that celebration from my point of view, I've heard your point of view, from my point of view, the only thing I saw there was just a release of energy because you've 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 got this pent up energy for years and years of like thought and planning and 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 then finally you see something executed that you've thought over a million times in your head yeah. and there's yeah. this massive release of energy that's all i saw for so for anyone else mm -hmm. that has any right. other opinion you right. have no fucking idea what no. what I saw. That's what I saw. I, I, I couldn't believe that I was getting chastised. I know there were some American, even some really good American athletes in different sports saying stuff. I was going, what? Surely you'd understand what your coach gives you. Surely. And it's disrespectful to Arnie. But, you like, that is that is a moment of, like, I was the author of her pain. I was the mm -hmm. author of her plan. Mm -hmm. Like, surely, and I'm watching this unfold and, you're allowed to be authentic and be you. Mm. Oh, I mean, honestly. And if anybody did get offended, I'm not going to apologise. Seriously. No. no. Seriously. Hey, there's no need to apologise for that. If they got offended, they, they had no idea what you – here's what I say to people. If people that are critical of you or people that are critical of me or any other coach, how many workouts did you go to to watch this person? None. None. Zero. Zero. You went to none. You were never there at 5 a.m. You were never there at 7 p.m. Daily, uh, constantly, you know, day after day after day. All you've done is you've got an opinion on what you've seen at the end. You were never there to see the work they put in. Well, opinions are for the uneducated, right? So that's 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 exactly right, and they're not they're not educated in our pursuit. They don't understand. So, and that's the whole thing about keyboard warriors. Like, I mean, a lot of people sort of who understood sport and watched it and took great pleasure in watching and understood because they felt it too. You got to remember, I've seen people be more uh, animated um, with gender reveal for 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 their babies. <laughs> Like, honestly, with, this is an Olympic gold medalist against the GOAT. Like, mm. whatever. Yeah, I'm with you, mate. Um, what about you? When, when, do, when does this start back then? Like, have you given yourself a start day for um, getting back to work or are you still, you still on a break? 
No, I'm still on a break. I'm actually up here at Noosa, um, just away. Like I had the boys up here, my boys up here for four days. I went back for three days and spent it there with the family. And then I'm, my wife's allowed me just to come up here for four days just to try and get some R&R. &R. And then I'm going to start to think about what we're going to try and do for the upcoming season, about when to come back and so forth. I just need, I need time and they need time. Um, I, I haven't yet, I haven't yet worked it out, no. But, um, you know, if some said to me, Dean, I'd like to start back next week, I'll ask them why, and then I'll say, yeah, you can start back slowly. But um, if that's what you feel, then no problem. But I won't be there. Yeah. Well, listen, mate, I've uh, I've loved this. I think this has been uh, awesome. Well, I know you're trying to close this, Brett, but I've got to tell a story. Tell it, mate. Come on. Those guys, and I noticed that 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 Bowley had a huge um, impact on on people, like on, on the views, and as as and I gave him a huge huge rap. But I went out with Bowley uh, on the weekend, and Bowley and I had an unbelievable night. And I want to explain what happened, if that's okay. Do it, mate. So we went out to the most expensive restaurant in Brisbane, organised by a guy called Bevan Slattery, who's a, he's a tech entrepreneur. He's doing great things, right? Building cables around Australia into Asia and, um, you know, data centres and so forth. And he took out the, the St Peter's uh, contingent of, of people. Uh, Maxi, my, uh, uh, one of the coaches of St Peter's, who works alongside me. Boldy was, was St Peter's, uh, um, our sports director, Sean Noddable, and then Tim Forrester, who is like a, um, a, a business developer for, for um, uh, a building who's in Brisbane, is doing great things. And we went out, right, to this restaurant. And the restaurant is exclusive. And it's only two hours sitting. And then you've got to get out and the next group of people come in for two hours. But because Bevan's a big wig, he organised us to stay there for four hours with only table there. We were having... Margaritas, rosé, shots of vodka, black caviar, um, um, oysters, you know, this Wagyu steaks, um, you know, camel slices, uh, red wine. Like, it was unbelievable. We're about a couple of hours into it and Bowler gets up and goes, boys, girls, I need to go to the toilet. And he leaves his wallet and phone on the, on, on the, on the table. And he goes away. Anyway, we're drinking wines and vodkas and we're having a great time. It was a hoot, right? And there's a whole new bunch of people have walked in because it's a new setting. It's an hour and 15 minutes have gone by and Bolly's gone. <laughs> so I've gone, something's not right. Someone called Bolly's phone. No, his phone's here. So I've gone, oh, I'll go outside. I walked outside, went at the different bars to find Bolly. We went down to one of the toilets. No, he's not there. We went to the manager. The manager was trying to find him, didn't know where he was, never saw him leave. So an hour and 30 minutes have gone by. I said, this is enough. So we've got the chef, the head chef, the manager, and they've gone upstairs to where these toilets were, and there's this disabled toilet, and it's locked. And I said, can you open it? I said, we can't open it. I said, can you please open it? I think my friend's in there. They said, well, you need to go in. You need to take responsibility to somebody else. I said, no problem. I've opened it. And there's Bolly with his pants down to his ankles sitting on the toilet, asleep. <laughs> He's asleep. He's asleep. I've gone, Bolly, Bolly. And he's popped his head up and he's gone, Dino. I said, Polly. He goes, Oh, I fell asleep. I said, You fell asleep? You, you're pooing on the toilet, mate. 
He goes, oh, I fell asleep. I said, no, we're waiting for you. He goes, how long has it been? I said, an hour and a half. An hour and a half. At the most exclusive restaurant. Like, people move. People move. So the great news about Bolin, people heard him when he was speaking. He's non-perplexed. He's unfazed with stuff. So he's walked back down and we've gone, Bolly, and the steak is cold. And he's just walked down and started eating the steak and he goes, oh, well, fell asleep on the toilet. I'm just cruising. <laughs> oh, Bolly, mate, pure Oh, he's the best, mate. He's the best. He's not going to live that one down. <laughs> Sleeping in the toilet while defecating. <laughs> Oh, mate, it's good to hear that he hasn't changed a lick. No, he's the best. A lick, mate. What a legend. Oh, God. Like, mate, I am I want to get back down there. I've got to tell you the truth. I mean, this might be a little bit of inside information here, but, uh, mate, I miss Australia. I miss it a lot, you know. Um, mate, let me tell you, we would love to have you, and I know that there is a lot of changes taking place, and there's someone of your calibre who, who understands speed and sprint work and has evolved probably more than a lot of the coaches there in Australia regarding that and now has so much experience, mate, we would love you. Yeah, mate, I, I would. I would love to. I, You know, I've been, I've been out here, what, um, about 16 years now and um, th- there hasn't been a time where I've felt homesick, where I've, where I've felt like I wanted to get back more than – Maybe during COVID, I don't know. Maybe at the start of COVID, I started to get really homesick and and started to miss it a lot, and started to kind of get very nationalistic. You know, like I, you know, like I'm 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 Australian. I, I've look, I'm an American. I'm a citizen. I voted in a couple of elections, but uh, ultimately, you know, home is where the heart is. You know, kind of thing. Well, you're gonna have to get rid of this accent, mate. <laughs> we have to work on that, mate. Get yeah, I've lost it. Fair dinkum, true blue, you beauty, that sort of stuff. You got to get back to that. Yeah, it's coming back eventually. Uh, I'll get down. No, I'll, I'll start that. I'll I'll, uh, I'll start that campaign for you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Listen, uh, 32, 32 in Brisbane was 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 inspirational. Sydney was a big deal for me, mate. When we got the Sydney Olympics, that changed my life. Like it, it yeah. changed my mindset, and I kind of feel the same way professionally now with with Brisbane. At some point, I'll be back. I don't know when, but, you know, what do we got? Ten years or so to the Brisbane mm. Olympics. Got 11 be, years. 11 I mean, years. I'll, I'll be back. I will be back at some point. What would be great is, too, if any international swimmers there want to come down for a couple of training camps, please get in contact with me just to get the feel of Brisbane and, you know, work with some of the guys. It'd be fantastic. I think it'd be very good. Are you happy where you're at, uh, St. Peter's? You're going to be there? Yeah, no, fantastic. They're fantastic schools. Number one school in Australia number one club in australia at the moment and um you know we're kicking goals and uh mate they're very good like they're phenomenal they're phenomenal to deal with you know the managers the, the college uh you know sean nodwell's sports director is the best in the world at it you know it's been fantastic i thought waverly college in sydney was the number one school no stop it honestly honestly wave 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 no 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 you're joking me do your homework hawkey Waverley College, mate. That's where it's at. No, sorry for anybody at Waverley. No, <laughs> I love it, mate. Listen, I've loved this. This has been epic. Holy hell, this has been like double the length of any podcast I've ever done. So this is this is oh, going to be cut into two parts, I think, mate. Yeah, no problem, mate. Honestly, no. Um, 
Hawkey, I know it's been a long time coming. I've sort of delayed, you know, I've had to get through a few things, you know. I think you wanted to get in contact with regard to the Shana saga. I can't talk about the Shana saga. There's still an ongoing procedures there and a case. That's yep. nearly done. So, mate, you, you've been an unbelievable supporter of me. A lot of people don't realise that you were constantly, constantly texting me prior to the Olympics and during the Olympics. You knew how to poke and prod me like Bowley and motivate me and keep me there and keep me in the game. Mate, um, I'll forever be grateful for that. Um, but, mate, the way that you've done this podcast is phenomenal, mate. Like, we've spoken now for nearly two hours and 30 minutes, and it's just great. I could go yeah. for another three hours. I love it, mate. I definitely want to come back at some point, you know, maybe maybe before Paris. But this is this is so um, thrilling for me, you know. Like I love I love this stuff, and 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 I try not to plan too much. I try just to, for me, what I what I imagine is two guys just sitting in a bar and having a yeah. drink over a drink. It is. It's exactly kind of what like I that. Like, I felt man. like that, you know. Yeah, it was, it was great. I mean, it's it's instant com communication too because I thought there'd be a delay. Phenomenal. Yeah, no, this is good. I appreciate it, mate. You're a legend. I want nothing but the best for you, and um, and and I'm thrilled with your success. I think you're brilliant. I love everything you're doing. I'm a huge supporter, um, mate. I couldn't I couldn't be any more behind you than I am. So uh, I want everything to come your way that you've earned and that you deserve. So um, good luck with everything. All right. Appreciate it, Hawkey, and thank you for everybody that was listening. I hope that I made sense and um, you guys went bored. You and did, Hawkey, mate. you want to talk after backstage? Yep, backstage. All right, take care, mate. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. Nate's come out with another awesome tool for the swimming community. It's called Swim Nerd Live, and it allows the data and times from your actual scoreboard to be broadcast and viewed in real time on any smart TV, phone, or other device, such as the TVs in your facility lobby, ready room, or by athletes' family members across the world. A very simple and easy to use necessity for any team or facility that is live streaming their meets results. You actually see the live meet timer counting up. The splits come across the screen as the swimmers touch the pads. It has all the information you're looking for. Event, heat, lane, name of swimmer, times and places. There are so many things you can do with this software. Swim Nerd Live turns any smart TV into a portable digital scoreboard. Hang a TV out in the hallway of the pool or on both sides of the stands. This is perfect when you have swim meets and the kids are in the gym down the hall. They've made it incredibly simple for anyone to watch. One click on any device and they're watching your swim meet live in real time. And here's the cherry on top. Swim Nerd Live also provides advertising space for you to show off your sponsors promote your upcoming swim camp, or have your alumni just one click away from donating. This software will pay for itself. Go to swimpractice.com to learn more.